Talking Tesla. Talking Tesla. Tesla. I'm not sure if like my foot should be on the brake or the accelerator. They put rings on Elon. It must be some sort of geometrical algorithm. I don't really need to touch the steering wheel there, Tom. Oh, I'm sure there's some math. So SpaceX, <laughs> here's the deal. Um, landing a rocket on a drone ship is key. Charger, 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 <laughs> charger. How am I expected to drive a car without autopilot? Safely. Charger, charger, charger. <laughs> you know, I'm not a good parker, Tom. Yeah. I'll be the first to admit it. Yeah. I just think that this is a car company that is run by super geeks. Yeah. All the other cars are going to be stupid cars compared to this car. You don't even have to I remember that. You've got a Model X. I have seen the future, and it is light pole charging. No, I wouldn't call it a screw-up. Do you like your Model X? God, it's beautiful. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, talking to the 99. We're getting right into it. We're oh, very angry. There's already angry. fights breaking There's out. There's no anger. It's all about love and, and opinion. Uh, there's fights Strong opinion. <laughs> Strong opinion. I mean, there's my opinion, which is right, and then there's your opinions, which are different. <laughs> um, <laughs> Robert, uh, you are here in the studio. Lovely studio, air-conditioned studio. Thank you. Yeah, Finally, on a day say. where, I don't know, it's not hot, but thanks. No, it's been 120 degrees, and then today when the air conditioning is filing, it's 75 outside. <laughs> yeah, I noticed some new construction on the outside of the mushroom that is studio. Yes. And I was excited to see, and I think I recognize that. And I recognize where those pipes are going. They're going right into our studio. And sure enough... On my left shoulder, which the the bursitis is now starting to kick in, <laughs> is a nice, cool breeze. So now he's going to complain that <laughs> it's, it's too, cold, it's too in here. cold in here. I love you two. You two yeah. are by far the best. I can wear my Tesla jacket now yeah, while no, we're in the Tesla studio. With your Tesla hat. I can't wait till you get a big, giant Tesla back piece tattoo. <laughs> oh. And then, like, the week later, Elon's like, we're changing the logo. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Well, I was going to say, I was very upset that Robert doesn't have Tesla swag on. I don't. For a year and a half, always with the Tesla swag. But I'll today, tell you this. No. We can't see it, but there's no possible way he's not wearing a Tesla Speedo right That's now. That's true. I don't want to mm. see it. Mm. I don't know. They don't make Tesla underwear, but if they did... <laughs> hey, yeah. ladies and gentlemen, fan boy. boys and girls, we've got a problem. And the problem is this. Uh, there's this thing called the sun. There's this thing called the moon. The moon's coming between the earth and mm-hmm. the sun, and it's going to make an eclipse. The eclipse is going to be great. It's going to be cool. A lot of people want to go up there. A lot of people want to get naked. A lot of people want to howl at the moon. Arr- Tom's going to do it. I'm not. Well, the, well part Rob's of that. Rob's going to do no, it. Actually, no, two of those things are not going to happen. I will not be naked. Okay. Well, That's I mean, upsetting. Not during the eclipse. It's daytime. Right. And I will not be howling at the moon. When your last name is Wolfson. The last thing you do is howl at the moon. I didn't. Wow. I put that together. So, uh, Robert, you're going to go up there now? I am now going to the eclipse as well. Where are you going to go? Which said portion of Los Estados Unidos? We had a plan, right? My son is going off to college, so uh, we're going to take the boy man east to the east coast. And I figured, wow, you know, kind of somewhere between that west coast and that east coast is a really Big wide stripe. In fact, where is the eclipse at maximum? maximum Just maximum? below Evanston, Illinois, in southern Illinois. Yeah. Well, so I'm going to go to Missouri. I'm going to pull go that to, out of my hat. I'm going to go I to don't the. Think so. I'm going to go to St. Louis. Really? So you're going to fly to St. Louis? We're going to fly to St. Louis, and we're going to go a day or so early because there's amazing amount of research online as to how many people live near all of the viewing locations and how you know busy you're going to expect to see the roads and there are some places where they're expecting 
people, I actually put it in the show notes, they're expecting people to like literally be just stopped on the highway. Highways will stop. Yes. They said, don't get out of here. Mostly in panic. Well, I don't know. <laughs> what the hell is that? They yeah, for the people who don't pay attention to what's going on. You know, on. I put a piece in here from, uh, there's a piece in here from like the Missouri Times or maybe it was Kansas City newspaper where they talked about they had like a, a big parade for a sports event and people couldn't get there because the roads were too congested where they would just park their car on the roads and then walk. Yeah. So like abandoned cars all over the highway. So I'm Very expecting... Very post-apocalyptic. Yeah. <laughs> I'm expecting some major messing up of transportation. So I basically gave it two days. Yeah. We're going there on Sunday. I don't know if there's any talking Tesla fans in the St. Louis area, but... You got a couch? Of course. We'll say God. hey. Got to say up. hey. There's no, there's no Teslas for rent in St. Louis. Yeah, where are you find. staying? We're staying at some, like, Best Western that's out on the highway away from town so we can... Go south to where the eclipse is at maximum. It turns out that well, let's you know, call it totality because that's what it is. Well, but so if you look at this map of Missouri, mm-hmm. uh, you can find these maps of every single state from NASA on the website. I have not spent any time researching mm-hmm. any of this. It's got a colored printout of the whole thing, and and scribbling. so if you look at these maps, there's a stripe that goes across, but the edge of the stripe, you're only going to have totality for like a second. <gasps> And if you're in the center, you're going to have totality for like two, two and a half minutes. 242, I think, is one of the longest yeah, totality Well, I'm going, to be, I'm going to be at like 240, uh, like even. So I'm going to miss two seconds it's all right. by being in Missouri as opposed to being somewhere else. And so you got to make sure you're in the right spot, basically. Well, I was going to go up to the Oregons. Uh, got a friend up there, Rob Orman. Uh, I think Tom now may have moved from outside into the couch. I was going to go, but then I was reading about what a gigantic cluster this is going to be in terms of travel and nakedness and uh, freeways that are shut down. And I'm like, you know what? Here in uh, Woodland Hills in uh, Los Angeles, we're going to be 70% covered. 70% is like a B. I'm a B guy. I'll take a B. I'm staying home and I'm going to walk to the hill behind my house. 70% is sort of borderline C, is it yeah, not? Yeah, it's borderline C. It's <laughs> I mean, you're looking, mostly B. You're probably C minus, C plus. Maybe. So I'm not going to go anywhere because you that fits my personality. To, just so you know, don't take your glasses off. Like, we'll be no. able to take our glasses off for 2 minutes, 40 seconds. Yeah, but you better not do it for 2 minutes, 45 seconds, no, or you're going to fry. that would be terrible. You're going to be you have, so in the You mud. have your glasses, Tom? I actually have. I'd ha- I don't have the glasses that I'm going to wear, okay. but I have glasses that I purchased the last time a solar eclipse came right. around, which was like... When I was a kid, I got it at the observatory, and I think I still have the package in the plastic wow. thing. I'll bring it wow. in next, next time I see Does, you guys. Can I ask you a question? Yeah, go ahead. Does your wife ask you, like every six months on a rolling basis, if you're ready to get rid of all that that you haven't looked at since 1994, was six it? Six days. Every six every months. six every yeah. six days. No, I mean, I have some. Okay. I have some things. I grew up in in less than ideal in financial environments, so okay. uh, people like me tend to just keep things because they don't know if they're ever going to get them again. Uh, I don't know if you've ever been to Tom's house. He's a bit of a hoarder. This he's got twelve cats, <laughs> and uh, he's got all of the newspapers from the last forty years. That would only be a problem if they weren't twelve alive cats, <laughs> <That's right. laughs> which they are. No, hey, I don't have twelve cats. Couple of heads. 
heads up. The eclipse is coming. It's going to be exciting. Make sure you've got the right kind of glasses in. I've just been reading on Amazon. They're having to refund money. Even Amazon has been selling fake ones they didn't know. So you've got to be careful. There is a list on the NASA site and some other reputable sites about who you should buy your glasses from because there is an enormous influx of basically colored plastic to make a few bucks to make children go blind. So make sure you get reputable glasses. And if you're uh, in the Los Angeles Woodland Hills area next Monday around the eclipse time and you see a small sort of smelly older gentleman (laughs) running through the streets naked... Uh, can you help us out and just make sure he's okay? <laughs> That's you talking Mel. about me? <laughs> oh, it's, I'm, I'm pretty excited about the whole thing. Actually, yeah. last time there was a solar eclipse, I was a little young. I was a little girl in Australia. Actually, it was fantastic. I remember it so well. The whole school went out there and we looked at it. the next major full eclipse over terrestrial lands. Yes, I believe is in Australia in 2023. Actually, there's one before that that goes through Chile and Argentina, <gasps> ends up in Buenos Aires. I think it's in 2020. Oh, I might go. Oh, in 2020. Sure. It's yeah, fake news. It's fake news. If you, there's a great map, again, on NASA.com that shows where the eclipses have been for probably the last 10 years and the next couple of years. And they have these weird shapes. They show partial eclipses and full eclipses. And uh, there ain't much coming up. Do you know, boys? Yes. Now, here's the first of many fun facts I have for us oh, this I'm week. I'm excited. Go. When was the last uh, solar eclipse that ran from coast to coast, the total stripe coast to coast? In uh, Los Estados Unidos? Yes. Uh, that was in 1931. He's making that up. Yes. Uh, that would have been, I want to say it was like 79. It was 100 years ago, 1918. Today. 100 years ago today? Not today, but 118. I'm 1918, and wow. uh, I thought that was a cool fun fact. So there is actually a, another eclipse in the States, 2024, yes. just so you know. And one interesting fact about it is the place in near Evanston, lower southern Illinois, oh that's going to have the longest totality, right. gets it again oh, in 2024. Come on. And this one's going up from Mexico up towards the upper northeast, right? So it's going to come through Mexico, through the central United States, through Detroit, Toronto, Montreal, and, and out that way. But the, it's so fascinating that the next total in North America, it's like an X. If you lay the two over, theory. they're going to be over the same Totally. Spot. I know. I'm going to St. Louis again. Uh, I'll have it all worked out. Is there some uh, special NASA uh, installation right there that is causing the moon to be sucked across it every four years, resulting in the death of all human species? <laughs> <laughs> Something like that. Get yeah. that going. Move that. Internet, <laughs> get that going. It's going to be great. Wow. Move it along. Please don't. Hey, we could talk about the eclipse all day. But so we're what not are we going to do about the show? We're going to talk about... Oh, that's right. What are we going to do about the show? Here's what I suggest. Is I'll be here. Be a talking Tesla 100? I'll be here. I'll do the show. It'll be there. Maybe I'll find somebody to help me out. And you guys send me some clips on the way to no. totality. No. Do it. No. Vox the crap That's ridiculous. Me. Okay, we're talking first off, we're talking about the one hundredth show. Yeah. Really? That's You're important. not you I would I would delay the one hundredth show to make it right because we should have A, we should have some pretty cool interviews. We should do yes. something pretty exciting. Yes. I'd much rather hold the show a week or mm-hmm. even two not gonna happen. for the hundredth. No, we're gonna well, call oh, it. Oh, you're 90... just gonna be like, Oh, it's a hundredth show, no, I'm gonna no, do no, it by myself. Half. We're I'm gonna call sending... it ninety nine point five. Are we gonna do this like auto? Because you're going to be gone We're forever. We're doing 99.5. We're not going to call it the 100th show. Because <laughs> you're not going to be here, so it's not a real 100th show. How's that? How's that? What if we record on Saturday? 
Tom's not going to be here. People Tom's leaving know. like tomorrow for a week. Oh. I'm not leaving tomorrow for a week, but we, we can discuss it not on the show. No, I think, I have to I think say, people want to I hear. I have to say, I just noticed I like your shirt, Tom. I oh, like this shirt? shirt? Yeah. This talking test podcast take a picture shirt? Of this for Ladies the, and gentlemen, boys and girls, while they're fondling each other, I'll go here and tell you that there will be a show next week. It won't be called 100. It might be called 100 point That's 99.5. so wrong. Or, I will be back on this show under massive protest if that is the situation. Massive. Massive. It'll be massive huge. Protest. Hey, let's talk about um, the biggest, most exciting, most wonderful and heartwarming story in the Tesla universe that occurred late last <laughs> week. <laughs> You were minding your own business with all of a sudden, and this article is from The Verge, when Tesla comes out and says in a statement, and uh, I will do it in the voice of the person who gave the statement, there's going to be an upgrade uh, to the hardware, and it goes like this. The internal name, Hardware 2.0, is an overstatement and instead should be called something like Hardware 2.1, the salesperson said. (laughs) This hardware set has some added computing and writing redundancy, which very slightly improves reliability, but it does not have an additional Pascal GPU. That was awesome, except for the very beginning of it, you said Hardware 2.0 instead of Hardware 2.5. Reading Oopsie. is very difficult it's for you. Hard. So it's it's internal name hardware 2.5, not hardware 2.0. Oh. So you know how you have hardware 1.0 and it's in the older Teslas and it stays in the lane and it's got, uh, you know, it's got and some it good features. It, it works. works. It works smooth. And then you've got hardware 2.0. Robert has it. I have it. And the software quill isn't quite right yet. And it's sort of, uh, it's it's like a drunken teenager. Well, we've been told forever that hardware 2.0 has all the capacity needed for full autonomous driving, except maybe it doesn't. Now Tesla is coming out and saying, uh, we might have to, uh, you know, give it a bit more juice. And so hardware 2.5, which they think, oh, it's really just a small tweak 2.1, might be required to get full autonomy. But they have said, Thomas, don't worry. They've said that if that is true, that if you, we need to upgrade to get full autonomy, we'll do it for free. That's what are right. they really trying to say here, right? Like, because, okay, so you're, you work for Tesla. In the self-driving autonomy situation, and yeah. you've been working, and you're like, oh, we have this amazing amount of computing power, and we're just trying to tweak it to make it work, and we're working really hard, a lot of hours, and and we're, we know we have enough computing power because of our modeling that we've done, we've right? Done uh, modeling. Theoretically, they've yeah. done some modeling. Right. And then all of a sudden, they're like, you know what? You haven't completed this job with this hardware, so let's... Let's mix the whole thing up. Like, you haven't <laughs> succeeded yet, but what we've decided is you need more computing power. But we don't, we don't know that you, you don't need more computing power. We're just giving you more computing power. We're just changing it just ever so slightly, potentially, even though we know what you're working on now is going to work eventually. <laughs> you can't stay static forever. So... Honestly, uh, what, what's happening here? I have, I have good advice for anybody out there who either owns a Tesla, like Mel, or is considering a Tesla. If you have an anxiety disorder, buy a Ford. Because what you're <laughs> going to get is something old. And it's not going to change. But I don't care necessarily if in two years they're like, you know what? We can make it a little better. We can upgrade it. We've decided we want a little bit more power. We're going to make it a little bit safer. However, they haven't made it work yet. So either (laughs) I want to hear them say something to the extent of we're not sure 
if what we told you in the past is true. I understand why they're not doing it, but I feel like for full transparency, either it works and it's enough computing power to get them where they need to be, or it doesn't and they need to upgrade it again before completion. Well, so would you agree that they are sort of venturing out into uncharted waters? Yes, they are. But, okay. but, but Robert, they've charged people... Yes. Thousands of dollars yes. saying what you have in your car. People in this room, in fact. What you have in your car will work. And they haven't proven that that is true, well, what, but they're moving on. When did they do the, the Rolling Stones version of the autopilot drive in an X from some dude's garage to the Tesla uh, right. designs, whatever, the Tesla headquarters? Mm-hmm. They did that. Like a year ago. Uh So they kind of proved that it could do it then. On that track. And we've talked about how it works much better around the Tesla neighborhood that it knows so well. But they did prove it. Right. I bought it. Right, that you they proved it and they bought it, but what? But again, so what? Why the upgrade then? If you're Tesla and you're focusing so heavily on getting Model Threes out, yes. I understand it's a different department, a different computing department. But let's get all of those engineers to focus on turning this thing on, getting it working perfectly. How about do the cross country thing that you said you were going to do with the original hardware, and then maybe upgrade it after you've learned some things? What's really happening is what I want to know. It's what the people want to know. There's a lot of chatter out there. So the question is, should they be perfecting their current system instead of increasing the power? I don't think they're, they did not talk about increasing the power. They talked about increasing redundancy and adding wiring. And I think this has to do with potentially the new camera that's been spotted in the Model 3. The, the one, one that looks inside. The one that looks at your face to see, are you playing chess and checkers in the back seat or are you actually sitting in the front seat? That may be part of what they're adding. But I think that maybe some folks who have experience in safety and reliability and backup are saying to Tesla something like, hey, guys, um, it's great that you have this one system in charge of this critical element. You need to have a backup system, a second or a third. Maybe they're adding a third to a second, whatever. They've done some more calculation and they realize that they need additional whatever, support within the autopilot system. And people are going to accuse me of of smoking the Tesla weed. But I mean, that's what I read into this. They said, look, we're not going to change the GPUs. NVIDIA said initially when Tesla chose their their chip, what was it called? The the big, fast NVIDIA chip. The big, yes, (laughs) the big, fast NVIDIA chip. It has a name. It's called PX2. Drive PX2. When they chose that, NVIDIA said, oh, you need two cores of whatever, the CPU and two of the GPU. And Tesla went with one of each. And and there was sort of like this concern. Whoa, why is Tesla cutting in half the number of computational you know, machines within this computer? And Tesla was just balls ahead. Go, go, go. We're going to do it this way. Now we're seeing this sort of hedging that they need something additional within it that might lead to them saying, well, yeah, well, we think we need two GPUs and two CPUs, but we're not there yet. So, Tom, I am going to shoot down your argument about, uh, so your argument is basically just get the hardware that you have right now, make it perfect, and then upgrade. The problem is that the Tesla model is that the way they test is not through having 
500 Google cars around, they're testing with the cars that are on the road, and it gives them the ability to get millions of miles, billions of miles of data. So what they do because of their model is that they have to continually upgrade their hardware and then send it out into the world and see how it starts working and start collecting data. And so that's why you're going to see this continuing. There's going to be hardware 2.2, hardware 2.3, and then they're going to incrementally release. And you're just going to have to get used to the fact that that's the way Tesla does it. They're not like Google. Let's make it work, and then we'll sell that version, and then we'll make another version. They're going to continuously upgrade this. So ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, that's why I would like to have a lease that is one month long. That's why But I, we're talking about something completely different. We're long. talking about paying for something yes. that never worked, yes. right? Like you paid for something, yes, a 2.0, yes, that never worked, and yes. Tesla said to you, yes. this will work, and yes. now yes. they're saying – well, they never got that to work, but they're upgrading it. So no. that's like you bought a MacBook well, Pro, no, no, no. you bought a MacBook Pro for full working. price, and it didn't work properly. And then you had to buy another one because they're like, "Oh, you know what? We got this thing to work." But they didn't say. They've been very clear. This has the capacity to do autonomous driving. We don't know when we're going to turn it on. They've been very clear. Yeah, we don't know when we're going to turn it on. And they've said in this statement as well, if it turns out for some reason. We need to have hardware 2.1 in order to give you fully autonomous driving. We'll upgrade you for free. What more do you want them to say? I have to step this back because this has been something I put out on YouTube just this week. I put out two YouTube videos, one of the Tesla Red Alert coming up. I've never seen this long enough or had this happen so that I could film it. But I was driving on this little residential street. Autopilot was comfortable. I was in stop-and-go traffic, and something triggered this red alert, and it wasn't me not paying attention to jiggling the wheel. And I took a video of it. I sent it out. People kept sending me back tweets saying, oh, could it have been this crosswalk? Could it have been this speed bump and the paint and the road, etc.? And other people said they've had that problem too, but then it goes away. So then I had it again uh, yesterday. I put this out on YouTube where I'm driving under the uh, Expo line. It's one of our Metro's newer metro here in Los Angeles, and there's this new style crosswalk, right? Normally in LA, we have these crosswalks with two white lines, and that's it. You walk between the two white lines, but they had the continental style with these big, wide, white strips that are in the path in the same direction you're passing. And it, again, it set off this red alert so that I decided, okay, I'm going to go back around with my camera going and do it again. And guess what? It didn't set it off. And I thought, wow, I wonder if that's autopilot learning. So I'm not totally down on autopilot. It does save me a lot of stress, and I use it a lot. Pretty much the entire way here on the highway, I was using it. And that's like a 25-minute drive. I just transitioned from one freeway to the other, and I had to get around some slowpoke in the carpool lane. But other than that, I'm very satisfied with it. I'm sorry it doesn't drive me, uh, you know, asleep in my car to work, but maybe it will soon. Here's the situation that's going to arise, Thomas. It's going to be like this. Thomas so angry at me right now. I love it. It's so great. We're going to be living in a world where, depending on how much money you want to spend, as to how much autonomy and how safe. So I can see hardware 2.0 being mature and they saying, this will do fully autonomous driving and it will be twice as safe as a human. But four years from now, when computer processing power is another tenfold better, they'll say, well, if you want hardware 3.0 or 4.0, whatever it's called, we can make it a hundred times safer. And you'll just have to decide 
how much cash you want to spend. It's just like, do I buy an old Volvo with two airbags? Do I buy a brand new Tesla with 12 airbags? That's the way it's going to be. Right, but you just proved my point. Because 2.0, you paid $3,000 for 2.0. Uh-huh. It never worked the way they said it was going to work. You never got to full self-driving. What it says on the website is self-driving functionality is dependent upon extensive software validation and regulatory approval. It doesn't say anything about a hardware upgrade. And again, if you had been driving 2.0 in full autonomy for the last six months and then they came out with a new piece of hardware. Like, I understand. I'm not blind to the fact that hardware changes. I get that aspect of it. But my point is that they never got what you paid for working, and now they're changing the hardware part of it. But they said, we don't know when you're going to be able to do this, and we're not there yet. They haven't turned it on. And they've said, if it doesn't work, if once we get to full autonomy, it doesn't work, Tom, I'm going to give you the hardware you paid for. I understand it's free. That. I understand that. But but again, did they give 2.0 a full chance? And if If they did and they've discovered it's not good enough, then just say that. Full disclosure, this is a publicly traded company. This 2.5 hardware, I don't know how many cars it's in, but that upgrade could be great. Are they going to all of the people who got the Model 3s last week at the delivery event? Is the 2.5 in there? I bet it is. I bet you it is. I I bet bet it is. is. Oh, you know what? Let's flip a coin. I I don't know. I don't know that it is. I get the sniff, the whiff, the sensation. Uh, that it is in all of the threes because they have the little facing camera thing. I just want to know when they come out with 2.1 or 2.5 or 3.0, whatever they promised me and you, Mel, that we didn't get. Yes. Can they can they fix it by just driving over to the house and unbolting and popping in the new NVIDIA computer chip? Well, device? Elon said at the beginning of this that the, they put this in a modular form so they can upgrade it because he's always been a little hedging. Like, we think this amazing computer, we're absolutely certain that it can do full autonomous driving, we think. And if it can't, we'll have to upgrade it. So they've kind of been saying this from the beginning. But it will. One take-home message for me, Thomas, uh-huh. is if you're buying a Model 3 or a Model S or a Model X right now, mm-hmm. don't drop the $3,000 <laughs> on the fully autonomous driving. First of all, we don't know when it's coming. Yeah. Second of all... Not even sure if that hardware that's in there is going to work. Right. There's a hedge in this article. And I quote, we, however, we still expect to achieve full self-driving capability with safety more than twice as good as the average human driver without making any hardware changes to hardware 2.0. However, if this does not turn out to be the case, we th- which we think is highly unlikely, we will upgrade customers to the 2.5 computer at no cost except to the shareholders. Oh! oh. oh speaking of shareholders, because we need to move on, because you know what's amazing? If uh, we didn't have air conditioning in here, it would be a lot hotter, and if it was a lot hotter, <laughs> we'd probably be punching each other up right now. <laughs> and then thinking, why were we fighting? I don't remember why. I do have a really beautiful Model S, and I did spend an extra $3,000, and I even bought the S, you know, when I shouldn't have. I should have waited for the Model 3. I did all of these things for fully autonomous driving. Why? Because I'm an idiot. Let me just throw in one more thing here. That the, Remember, back, there was an electric article, or was a what article? Electric! They talked about uh, Tesla creating its own system on a chip. So that might actually be the next step where Tesla says, hey, we know we put those computers, NVIDIA, in your car, but now we're going to pull them out and put our own 
chip computer so, in the car. So cool. We're going to replace the one thing that doesn't work with another thing we're not sure is going to work. <laughs> and then eventually we're going to put our own chip in there. Good luck. We hope that one's going to work. Hey, Can you give us another three grand? Are you earnings, kidding me? On the earnings call, Elon said it. We talked about it last week. If we mess things up, it's because we're stupid, not because we're trying to deceive you. Right. But they're I want trying. The, they're pushing the envelope, and I'm enjoying my car. I want Are the you? time to be spent making the thing that they've put in their work already. That's all I'm saying. I think it's inefficient, in you my mean, opinion. You really want the why or the pickup truck? No, I'm just saying make the 2.0 work for a few months before you're like, I'm going to upgrade the processor because it's that. It's it's incrementally better. It can't be incrementally better than something that currently doesn't work. <laughs> right? Like, this doesn't work, and we're we're going to replace it with something else that, you know what? That also might not work. This is. I'm glad we got through the first story. Well, this is going to. We're not finished yet because this is also like Apple. Um, Apple had Intel chips and uh, then they had some other chips in their phones in particular. Then they started creating their own chips. And over time, and there was a lot of criticism like, why aren't you just using an off the shelves? They make their own. A8, A9, A10 processor. Now they've got that down so well that they can basically leapfrog other people because they create the chip, they create the software, it works beautifully together. I bet you that Tesla is headed along the same road. We'll use NVIDIA stuff for now. We'll use Mobileye in the past. But really where we want to get is to have full integration of the car, the software, and chips we make ourselves, and then this thing will be able to drive you to the moon. But people like Tom in the meantime, going to be a little upset at the fact that there's a lot of changes going to be going I'm on. not upset. Again, I'm not upset about the changes. I didn't put the $3,000 each that you two gentlemen have. Thank I just you. want them to focus on making a thing work. Thank you for calling that's, us that's, gentlemen. That's all I'm saying. And, and, and the iPhone 5, which I have in my hand right now, Apple came out with and they're like, this thing is incredible. What was the main issue they had with it was like this, this antenna thing that they designed yeah, in I the side, that. right? And, and what did they say? You're holding, holding it, it wrong. wrong. <laughs> it's like, it, it, but we ridiculed them for that. Sure. You don't want Tesla to get into a situation where they're being like ridiculed for stuff like this, right? It's it's un, in my opinion, either say we're not sure we can get there, yes. and 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 we mea culpa, yes, right. Well, oh, what do you want them to do though? So they they think they're looking forward. They're like, we think with a little tweak, we can make uh, autonomous driving even a little bit better. Do you then want to what do... doesn't exist now? Yes. We can make it better than something that doesn't work yes. and doesn't exist. So you want them to just not do anything? No, don't put that stuff in there. Even though the engineers go like say. If we put an extra little thing in here, we think we can make it even better. I want them to put it in every car so that they can turn it on later, even if they're wrong. I don't care. I want them to turn it on and make it work with what they uh, said will the work. Two, you can have both of those things. You can <laughs> add additional hardware and still turn on the hardware I have right now. For somebody who hasn't even wasted $3,000, you're a very angry no, man. No, for somebody who watches <laughs> Apple take on another $1.8 billion in debt on top of the other $6 billion in debt they're um, already sitting on. This is Tesla we're talking about, not Apple. Right. This is Tesla that we're talking <laughs> and about, right? that's going into our right? next They story. continually are, are burning all of this cash, and maybe they would be like just – Make a thing work. Hey, if you're sitting in your car right now and you're squirming because you feel uncomfortable about this heated discussion, yeah. you're welcome. <laughs> yeah, I think you should basically let autopilot take over because it's going to drive you much more calmly than Every, the three of us. How about right this now. one? How about this one? Hey, 
These falcon wing doors I created are amazing. Oh, these are the greatest things we've oh. ever made. You, you are going to love these things until they start to kill your family members. I'm never <laughs> able to bring up old history when I'm uh, when I'm in a like a heated discussion with my wife. That's just nuclear, man. That is just nuclear. <laughs> Remember in 1972 you said I was fat. I hate you. <laughs> hey, let's talk about money. Let's move on because this could go on forever. It is quite fun. This is from Teslarati. We love those guys. After uh, talking Tesla 98, or right at the end, Robert was saying, oh, and they're just about to raise $1.5 billion in a bond offering. And we talked about it for just for a second. Well, let's give you the follow-up. Apparently, they made $600 million within hours of that offering. And now it's up to $1.8 billion with a B. They were going to do $1.5, but uh, there was so much love for Tesla, they for did $1.8. junk bonds. So, Tom, tell us what these bonds are rated at. How much am I going to get? <laughs> do we need to take a break? I think Tom's melted Tom, down a bit. <laughs> Tom's aneurysm is really expanding right now. Tell us about bonds. Okay. So these are corporate junk bonds. Let's just call them that. Rated at B by both of the Standard & Poor's. Rated them a B-, and Moody's rated at a B-3. So this is junk bond status. These things are unsecured. The Gigafactory is not even part of this so they, if they default it's not leanable and that means they can still borrow more money on the Gigafactory if they want to moving forward which is great I mean there's Tesla has access to this incredible equity market there's this it's 5.3% and so the real spread that you're getting like unsecured junk bond as opposed to buying a 2.5% 2.2% treasury bond that's completely backed by the United States government Wow, I mean, that is relatively risky. And these were snapped up so quickly by <laughs> investors that Tesla was like, you know what would be cool? Can we have another $300 million? Yeah, it's just like- but we gave them a little bit more interest, right? No, that's a no, lot of it. Uh, five hundred, yeah, like five hundredths. That five point two five was sort of like a relative kind of thing. But these can be reconverted. Like Tesla can refinance these bonds if they want to moving forward, and investors are sort of left holding the bag, not holding the bag, but they would end up getting less or whatever. Oh, good lord! Um, the sole guarantor <laughs> of the deal is Solar City, so I'm not really sure how that. Like, there's a weird debt sort of situation happening there. But what I will tell you about this is, okay, so Tesla borrowed $1.8 billion at 5% interest. Yes. But we've heard time and time again, if we believe them, because we're not sure what we can believe that comes <laughs> out of them anymore, right? That they're making 25% margin, right? Which means that any dollar they spend, they're making a profit of 25%. So if they're borrowing a dollar for 5%, they're going to make a profit of 25%. They're really making a profit of 20%. It makes It's a no-brainer to yeah. borrow money in that model, yeah. right? So like you can't hold it against them for borrowing money at that. And if you worked for Goldman Sachs, you made $30 million <laughs> Good for you. Wow. So I want to ask the question, why were these snapped up so fast? Were they snapped up so fast because, one, investors are desperate for better returns because the bond market here in the U.S. is doing so poorly in terms of returns? Not, right? not doing poorly, but yes. But was it 5.3%? No, it's like 2.5% two, two well, as we get. I mean, honestly, so that these, these yields are, yeah. are sort of – they're set by the market, right? Because if you're a bond investor, a, a corporate bond investor, you don't care, actually, what company you're buying the bonds from. You just know that corporate bonds, unsecured corporate bonds, give you a yield of approximately this, right? So corporate-wise, these bonds are about 
what you could get in the overall market of corporate bond market, right? Big maximum securities as opposed to government-backed treasury securities, which is what you guys are probably thinking about being at around the 2, 2.2%. Right. So the question is, did this get snapped up because the return looks so good or because people just think Tesla is a company that's going to win So I would take the risk because I know Tesla and I'm sure that they're going to be fine, so I'm going to get a good return. Is it greed on the one hand or just love of Tesla on the other? Because it turns out this is not really on Tesla. This is on SolarCity. And if people knew that, they'd be like, SolarCity is not Well, but they're the same company now. So it's a a weird – all of that stuff is a weird economic kind of situation. But the thing is is there's there's kind of two things at play, right? You you feel like, okay – I want to buy a corporate bond. Tesla has a lot of access to the equity market in general. They can still, uh, you know, a lot of people asked why they didn't just sell stock, you know, and dilute the the current shares of the what they have. So if you're a bond because holder, they know that would have upset you, Tom, right? That well, much more. If you're a bond holder, you're 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 out there sitting and thinking, okay, Tesla is going to deliver this car at seven hundred thousand units, whatever. And I think they're going to deliver another 500000 after that. But if they start to struggle, will they be able to – like are they going to go bankrupt is, the, is really the question that you're going to ask yourself. And the answer is probably not. Yeah, because they have access to to the equity markets, and they're about to have a big infusion if they can make this Model Three happen on time of you know potentially twenty billion dollars in revenues, which as you know will increase their X and and all kinds of other things. So you can read online a lot of people that are like, "This is bad. This is looking like a bubble. This is a this is a company that has now an enormous amount of debt. This looks like two thousand and ten." And other people saying, no, this is very different. This is a company that has a great product, that has a clear plan, that has very smart people that are being very uh, overt about what they're doing. So uh, it's all good. Don't worry about it. All right, let's move on. Uh, we've talked about um, hardware 2.5, which is upset, Tom. We've talked about bonds. Are you upset about that, anybody? anybody no, uh, I mean, I'm not upset about it. I just It's, a, it's something to, to really think about that Tesla's taking on all of this debt and to hope that they will do what Amazon has done for 25 years, right? Which is spend, 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 spend to build up their their infrastructure and then eventually be able to put on the tap. The difference is it's really, really, really hard to start a car company. And that that is, you know, very, very capital intense, as we can see from the Gigafactory's Not not just a car company, a battery company. Right, an energy energy company. right, Right, a truck building company. Oh, God. Hey, Google, what's the stock price for Tesla? Try again in a few seconds. Hey, Google. There was a glitch. Try again in a few seconds. Hey, Google, you okay? Try again in a few seconds. AI has gotten sentient. And now the internet is done. I think we've upset Google with all our machinations. Tesla's stock price as of right now, is $362.90, up $5.03, or 1.41%. Apparently, the stockholders aren't upset about them throwing money down the drain in their new (laughs) CPU. Uh, Let's talk about Model 3. This is an article from... Now, uh, remember the Model S and the Model X? Do you remember those? Because they were sort of last week's news, mm-hmm. and they were all about the Model 3. Well, they have these batteries, and they would describe the size of these batteries in kilowatt hours. That's the unit of storage. For the Model 3, they just wanted to talk about range. And now I'm with them. I don't care about kilowatt hours anymore. But still a lot of people do. It turns out that in the filing to the EPA, 
you have to do this when you have an electric car. You can go back and calculate how... Or even a non-electric car, for that matter. It's the EPA, buddy. Oh, that's true. They don't say much anymore in the EPA. Anyway, the 310-mile range battery looks like it has an 80-kilowatt-hour battery. By doing some math, you can work out that it has an 80-kilowatt-hour battery. Does anybody care? I care because I just think, why change it in the middle of it? But So they're saying it's an 80-kilowatt-hour battery, but the total available capacity of that is about 75 kilowatts, which is what all the rumors were. It's a 50, it's a 75 kilowatt. People will care... To this extent, is it one? Because they want to know, is it one battery that I can get upgraded later? Like, that is a thing that is currently not on the horizon for this battery. But maybe once Tesla gets into big, full-blown production there, you know, let's just put one battery in it and do software software limited. Software limited. They might do that. I noticed something interesting the other day when I was at the supercharger in Oxnard. Thank you. That uh, when I was charging my new Gen 4 car, which is a 90 kilowatt hour, I know we shouldn't be using sorry, it's not numbers 100. anymore. I know. Sorry, it isn't 100. I was looking at the little image that comes up on the 17-inch screen of the car at the supercharger. I was miffed because I was getting a low charge rate, whatever. What was your charge rate, just out of curiosity? Like 65 because I was getting 170 in Rancho Cucamonga, and I thought to myself, That's... how am I going to get 170 per half hour, which is what they're saying in the oh, Model 3. Oh, you're saying miles. I'm saying kilowatt hours. No, I'm saying 170 no, you miles. you kilowatts. Kilowatt. Right. So you're getting 65 kilowatts. They say it's rated at 130. Nobody in the history of the world has ever got 130. Well, 125, 135, Mostly yes. you get around 90. Yeah. So anyway... Bottom line is, I'm looking at the picture, and I noticed that in the picture of my version of the car, there's an additional battery pack in the sled up in the front end of the car that's like a little bit raised up above the actual battery sled. So they show on the car what your battery configuration looks like. And I'll have to grab a picture of this. i got to go to work today, but maybe I'll do it tomorrow, of my car Gen 1 and my car Gen 4. To see and show the difference is really kind of cool. So it's a graphical representation of yeah. your battery. Yeah. You know, where they were talking about, Strobel was talking about on the earnings call last week, uh, we could make it so that you could charge this battery a lot faster. Right. One of the ways you can do that is you put a 180 kilowatt hour battery in a car and you just charge right in the middle of that thing. You only use like... 80 kilowatts, but because it's a gigantic battery and you're just filling sort Heavy. of at the, at the middle bit, you can charge it really fast. Right. But then you have weight issues and then you have cost issues. It's interesting that this is a, an 80 kilowatt hour battery. They're only going to use 75 of it probably right. uh, for the high end. But again, it goes to Tom's point. Maybe one day once they've got this down and they've got the cost down, it would be worth just putting in a 100 kilowatt battery, hour battery in every Model 3, and then you can decide how much do you or want. Or one battery for each, for every platform, yeah. right? Just a one Maybe. Pa- yeah, and if they can Yeah, and if they can get the size and the weight of the battery package down, right? They've been continually working on doing that. Yes, it's we talk a lot about the battery chemistry, but a lot of it has to do with the systems around the batteries, how they're packed in, how they're kept safe from over over whatever, reacting and getting hot, how they're cooled, how the energy is transferred from each of the cells through that entire pack. That whole design is probably as much the improvement in the batteries 
uh, of Tesla cars as it is the actual batteries. Right. And if you look on this Electrek article that we will post in the show notes, there's the full report to the EPA. And one of the interesting things that I got out of this was on the dynamometer, which is how they do these tests for pollution. There was none. Yes, but, no they still had, but they, they still, still had to put the car on there. They still put the car on the dyno. They got 454 miles of range, right? So hyper. does this mean that's the number we can look towards for hypermiling or around that number I guess this would be more? a good Twitter poll to ask uh, Talking Tesla Nation, do you think that the first Model 3, and this would be, I don't remember which battery was on this one. That was, was the big one. The big one, okay, which is all that's out there now. Correct. So do Talking Tesla Nation think that a hypermiler can beat 454 miles, yes or no? Well, but the interesting yes. thing is, is right, of course they can, because what the 100D has a 300 and plus mile range right now, and they got 600, 600 I can't miles, 637. Like yeah, so I was doing the same math as you. They have rated that car at 330. This is the Model 3 is at 310. So, yeah, I think you're going to see over a 600 mile Model 3 hyper mild. Well, again, I guess it would be what is the most, what's the hyper mile record for a 75 kilowatt hour battery? Because you're probably looking at that plus, plus a little more because it's a little bit lighter, although maybe it has a different drag coefficient. So, a lot of factors, different tires, different size tires. Yeah, well, 300 to 454 or 320. 20. 50%. That's like 50%. That's huge. Huge. We will see. Huge. Hey, you people out there, all 30 of you that have a Model 3, can you do some hypermiling for us? Hello. There's some cool Model 3 stuff work, out dude. there. For example? For example, there's a video out now. I think I sent it to you guys on Voxer of autopilot in the Model 3. Somebody's driving in, uh, I think it's on the 101 going north towards San Francisco from the valley that is Silicon. Yes. And you can see them. They're driving to a song that's called, I think, Despacio, which actually means slower. <laughs> and it, I thought that was funny. Despac- Despacito by Justin it, Bieber? Is that no, what I don't think it was Justin Bieber. Yeah. But anyway, they're driving, and you can see autopilot and the representations on the car with the big 15-inch screen. It looks so clean, and it looks so nice. I actually took some screenshots of it, and I, I thought that what was most impressive about what, looking at these pictures is that the car has got to be really young, right? How long did it take for autopilot to mature on your car, Mel? Like, how did it? Months. Like months, like months. Months. It took my car, you know, well into a, about a thousand miles. How much did this person drive the car? They've only had it two weeks. So, and they're already driving. Of course, this is Tesla territory that they're driving. It's actually on the 280. So it's that freeway that we talked about that has such amazing, um, you know, Oh, and, and it, so Robert's showing me their picture there. And look up the top there. It says Hardware 2.5. Wow. No, <laughs> sorry, Tom. It doesn't say that. Why are you sorry? I haven't gotten mine yet. Uh, okay. But evidently, the other thing is that this is the new user interface, which they're updating. Do we have that story in here? It's slick and clean and new and lovely. No, I don't think we have that. But let's... Uh, Let's move on and talk about electric trucks for a second here. Let's keep things moving. Because this is from Green Car Reports, and it's the Bollinger B1, an all-electric utility vehicle. We're waiting for this Tesla truck in the future, a semi-trailer, a pickup. Uh, We're going to be so excited about it. Well, this is a tiny unknown company with 6,000. It's a tiny unknown company. And they ask people, uh, do you want an electric truck? And 6,000 people, without having to put a deposit down, said, you betcha. And apparently there are some more details about this thing from... 
Electric? Yeah, we were going to do this story like two weeks ago, and then it kept getting bumped because of the Model 3 event and the earnings call. And it turns out this is a really sweet truck. In fact, the reason I put these stories in here is because I was looking at this truck during a slow period at work. I'll be honest. There was a time when there weren't a lot of emergencies, and I was sitting next to one of the PAs who has a pickup. He's very, very into his truck, and he's looking at this with me, and he was pointing out all sorts of features, like it has a frunk. When you open the frunk and you open the trunk, there is a pass-through that goes from the very front of the truck all the way to the very back. You could put, like, 12-foot 2 by 4s in this thing. I mean, it's enormous. Yeah, that's a really, really cool feature for, like, the construction market. Yeah. And this, and it's big inside. Like you, it's almost like a Hummer where you, you know, the two, the passenger and the driver sit on either side of this big center, you know, I don't know what to call it compartment. That is a pass through from the back of the truck to the front of the truck. The truck can carry like an enormous amount, like 6,000 pounds. Yeah. It looks like a combination of the G wagon and a Jeep. Because it's very squared off. Right. It's very squared off. No coefficient of drag on this thing whatsoever. (laughs) (laughs) The company is in New York. Uh, It's kind of in the Hudson Valley. And so they're looking to create this truck here in America, which is a good thing. It's got 95 cubic feet of storage space. The frunk itself is 14 cubic feet. And yeah, they say it can fit 24 two-by-fours or 72 four-by-eights. Uh, those are sheets of drywall. I mean, it's like huge. It's awesome. And this this fellow who's sitting next to me, Frankie, uh, Frankie said, uh, "I want that thing." My name's Tom. No, you're not. You're next to me now. But oh, I'm when not. I was looking at it, Frankie was yeah, like, oh, "This is this. A, this is looks fantastic, and it's amazing, and it's a vision of what could be when you electrify your semi trailer. You're not your semi trailer. Your pickup truck. Your Ute. I'm Australian, mate. It's a Ute. Nice. Um, a Ute. But uh, this is vaporware. This doesn't exist yet, but it's I true. tell you what, it makes my tingly bits get a bit tingly as to what Tesla could produce when they get their muscle behind this thing. Yeah, this, it could this, be amazing. This thing is hand built by some clearly some enthusiasts. Yeah, I was uh, four wheel driving over the weekend. I would love to have been four wheel driving in this bad boy over the yeah. weekend. I would have turned some heads. I think that's what Electric called it: the um, badass looking all electric truck. And I'd say if you're at all interested, get on their mailing list. Bump that 6000 up to 15000 because we have so many listeners. And maybe they'll get some funding. Some yeah. people will give them some crazy bond money, and they'll actually be able to make this yeah. thing. It's not going to be an inexpensive vehicle from the looks of it. Yeah, right. there's no uh, pricing on that. And uh, my guess is it's 200 miles of range is probably what they're thinking of maxing out at. So When yeah. you uh, load this up with 6,000 tons of stuff, <laughs> I don't think you're getting 200 miles of range. You get some leaf-like range from that. Right. <laughs> well, you're just going from Home Depot right. to the construction site, and if it's a cabin 100 miles up in the mountains, then you're kind of screwed. Right. So this is the key. You don't necessarily want to make it for what truck owners, like enthusiasts, would want. You want to make it so if you're a fleet buyer of, of work vehicles for your big multinational company and maybe... Uh, you're Tesla and you need an electric vehicle to drive parts around town, but you're not going Rover a long distance, right? You want to make it awesome for them. And then you put your people in them and then they're exposed to that electric work vehicle and they say, oh, 
I can buy an electric truck for myself, and that's sort of how you can feel adoption quickening in the truck. I think the truck segment, from an electrification standpoint, is going to be extremely difficult for Tesla to really attack. And I call, I'm call i going to call out Frankie. I told Frankie, I want you to go and look at all the different electric trucks, and I want you to report back to us at Talking Tesla. We're going to have more of this coming up. Hey, there's more electric uh, cars that are coming. Well, this is kind of an old electric car. This is from The Verge, and it's the new Leaf, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. New. And this information is from Auto by Tell. So uh, there's new Leafs coming. We've been waiting for these for quite a while, the 2018 edition. So you've got a base model. You've got the SL, which is 36,000. The base is about 30,000. It has a 40-kilowatt-hour battery. The current yeah, one yeah, has 30-kilowatt-hours yeah. and only does 107 miles. So this 40-kilowatt-hour uh, battery is not going to get anywhere near to the hoped-for 200 miles range. You know what else doesn't get anywhere near its uh, stated range? The 30-kilowatt-hour battery. Yes. It uh, doesn't get 107 miles an hour, and it degrades massively. Now, that Leaf I love is a great car. Certainly the first generation of the Leafs, the battery degradation was terrible, particularly where it was very hot or very cold. I don't know if they've improved that battery technology. But the Leaf was really the car. It was the electric car. It was. It still probably sold more uh, Leafs than any other electric car in history. That is correct. But the problem is they've gotten so far behind. A sub-200-mile range on an electric car at this point is dead in the water. I don't know why they bothered. Nissan cannot even see the competition from where it's making cars at. You can go buy a Bolt today with 250 miles of range Mm -hmm. for basically the same price. Why would you buy a Leaf? They would have been better off competing with the Volt, putting a little bit of gas in this thing, making it 107 miles with a little bit of a gas bump to it, or or the ability to have the range, not a range extender, but a similar model to the Volt, where you can actually have an actual vehicle while there's no electricity in it, and they would have probably been able to compete really well in that segment with this battery. I love the Leaf. I love what it achieved. I had one for three years. It was a fun car, but... uh I just sort of see it dying on the vine, as it were. Come on, let's get our act together, Nissan. Right. I mean, pricing-wise and range-wise, you know, for a full electric vehicle, its cost is competitive. If you Mm -hmm. like that style, you know, if if you're making a decision between – uh, the Bolt style and a, and just another sort of, I don't know, Leaf style because there really is nothing. Nothing like <laughs> nothing the Leaf. sort of styled it's like bubble-eyed looking thing. Then that's it. And you know you have a commute and you have a very, again, it goes back to that. I have a very specific use case. The Leaf fits it very well. I'm going to go that direction. You know, uh, something came up over the weekend. I was with uh, Grandpa, as you understand, has a Bolt. And he's like, you know, all my friends back in Phoenix, he lives in L.A. now, Want me to come back to Phoenix and, uh, you know, maybe play a round of golf and show him off the bolt? Yeah. And he's like, Mel, could I do that? I'm like, well, you've got the range, but here's the problem. And again, why Tesla is so genius. It's a little anxiety producing for me, the son-in-law, to say, uh, you can do that, but the charging infrastructure... We're going to have to go find where your high-speed chargers are and which hotels are going to have it. And it's a little bit of work, particularly when I don't know exactly how far the range is going to be when he's at freeway speeds. When it's hot. And when it's hot. And with a Tesla, it's just so easy. It's like, let's go to the car. Let's put in the destination. Let's see what the car says you're going to have to do. Done. Whereas in this uh, Bolt... You've got to find third-party apps, and it's just – there is no supercharger network. It's a safari. So you're looking at 373 miles from Los Angeles to Phoenix, 
the Bolt has about 238 miles of range, which some people say you could do a little bit more on a long-term trip. I would not push that even right. a tiny a tiny bit Especially so you're if probably going to over 90 degrees and, on your route and you have these like half hour at 90 minute increments sort of thing so my guess is he's got two half hour stops at 90 minute charging if he wants to drive it to Phoenix so that's not undoable you know drive for uh, 150 miles stop for a half hour yeah drive for or so uh, another hundred fifty miles. Find me uh, uh, some CCS charges between here and Phoenix. Go. I give you uh, Tesla. You could do this in three seconds. Let's give you five seconds. Do, 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 I was going to say do, if it's over ninety do, degrees do, Fahrenheit, which is actually thirty-two do, Celsius. Do, I don't want to exclude the people who use a real measurement system. I'm looking up uh, plug share on my phone. You getting my point yet? Keep going. <laughs> it's loading, but you know the it's web loading, yeah. web here is not as fast as uh, it is at my house. If I was him, this is what I would do. I would look for Chevy dealers between here and there, and that's where I would. So charge. the point of all this is that it still plug share is a great app. We're really happy that Chevy has a nice long range EV, um, but the problem is, or the upside to a Tesla is, they make this so much easier. If you own a Tesla, and this is why I say to people, if you want your car to be real, if you want to take it on long trips, if you want to go to Phoenix, Tesla makes this so much easier. The other manufacturers still do not have their poopy together with their high-speed charging network. You really have to be an enthusiast still. You can't just go out there and do it. So good on your Tesla. Let's now talk about Model 3. This is from Tesla Ruddy. We love those guys. And uh, they have some pictures of some renderings of third parties saying, what would the Model Y look like? Now that it's going to be on the Model 3 base. so why, why are we talking about this? Because that's the car I really want. Oh, I see you getting you're, – you're salivating. Because the Model Y this was going to – can you, can you finish this, the sentence? No, this hour. Uh, oh, oh, right, this hour. I want right, the Model right, right. Y because I want that sort of crossover SUV sort of feel for it, but I don't want the effing wing doors. This is a couple of pictures in here of a Model Y on a Model 3 base – Without the falcon wing doors, and I look at it, and I just drool like a three-month-old baby. And then they'll put it out, and then there'll be one little thing about it that you don't like, and you'll be like, I don't want it. You are the Veruca Salt thank you. of this show. Uh, uh, thank you. <laughs> Let's talk about autonomous driving. GM Cruise launches self-driving car service for employees. From Wired, please tell us about it, Robert. This is cool. So GM showing off its its muscle in the autonomous driving realm. They bought Cruise Automation some time ago, based in San Francisco. And now Cruise has got a bunch of Bolts electric cars. Yeah, they bought like 400 of them because no one else is. <laughs> <laughs> it's interesting to me, you can get a Bolt. Anywhere. We could go right here from where we're standing right now, yeah. and we could look at a, at a plethora of bolts. They're all over the place. Yes. You can buy your, your fair share of them. You could lease one today yes. in in this area for 179 bucks a month. That's crazy cheap. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Compared to a Model 3. Yeah. I wonder why it's so cheap. <laughs> I wonder. I wonder why it's so available. That's a bigger question, right? Mm. They had limited that they were making. Maybe, I hope it's not our fault on maybe, this show. Maybe it's because I'm still around on my phone finding CCS chargers between here and Phoenix. But I found one in Rancho Las Palmas. Uno. Yeah. Well, I, I haven't finished scanning, but it's going to take me a little while longer. <laughs> but I think Are I'll you just... using the trip planner? Uh, no, I'm using PlugShare. I'm just kind of coursing along the I-10. Here's what I'll tell you. The PlugShare trip planner is why I'm restarting my computer right now. <laughs> it froze. 
in the middle of the show. So let me just focus again on GM and their purchase of Cruise. and Please. Cruise that has now 461 bolts. And what are they doing with them? Well, they're going to do something like Tesla does. Mm-hmm. They're going to put their own employees in the guinea pig seat. And uh, I don't know why we always pick on guinea pigs. They're such furry, lovable it's little part creatures. Of, it's part of uh, you know the colloquialisms of, of our world. So cruise employees can hail and move about San Francisco for free. I think it's only between like afternoon and late night hours. So when you're done at work, you can just take your cruise over to Trader Joe's and grab yourself some dinner and take your cruise back home and make your dinner. And then you can take your cruise to the movies. And this is free for employees. They have like 250 employees. So it's their version of Kruber. Kruber. Cruise Uber. Nice. Oh. Are these really fully autonomous? Yeah. Well, they have somebody sitting in the driver's seat, but Thank they you. are not supposed to be intervening. And maybe this is their, I, you know, I don't know. I can't speculate, but I'm impressed that they're doing this. It's exciting. It sounds good. I know people in San Francisco are probably a lot more tolerant about being struck in crosswalks and having their cars sideswiped by autonomous cars than people might be in other parts of the country. Have you been to San Francisco? <laughs> I, I have. Mean, I don't know they how can be super made. tolerant they would be of being crushed in their intersections, but I mean, you know, whatever. Less. They would be a bit more tolerant. I think they have mm. been in the past. <laughs> and and. Or they get themselves on YouTube and they get to be pretty mm, damn famous. Exciting. Yeah. Or they get to sue GM and own a bolt. So let's talk which about they can't supercharge. <laughs> let's talk about AI. And first of all, Robert, you wanted to do an AI movie pick. Oh my God! I watched this movie last night. I, I, I too many nights up late watching stuff on the internet is bad for you. Yes, it is. Last night I I got on my list. It moved right to the top of my movie list. Was Transcendence. That's a movie with Johnny, Johnny Depp. Depp. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, for some reason, knew nothing about it until just this week. And so I got it on Apple for whatever, three bucks, four bucks. And my son and I watched it. And I have to say, if we're talking about the future of AI and the horrible things that AI can do and the potential unintended consequences, this is a great movie. It's got some really good twists in it. And guess who is in the movie in like the first 20 minutes? A cameo shot sitting in the audience of an auditorium where the AI expert, Johnny Depp, is talking about the future of AI. Who is sitting in the audience? They pan the camera. I've been on this show for a while. I'm going to guess it was Elon Musk. Elon Musk! Right. <laughs> Absolutely I mean, it wasn't that hard yeah, to figure out. Good. Yeah. I actually have a screenshot from the credits that shows that Elon, they say thank you to Elon Musk. And I thought that was pretty cool because then I thought AI was going to ruin the entire planet and, you know, decimate humanity But it doesn't. And I'm not going to spoil anything else. So even at home, you watch it all the way through the credits. Your son must hate that. (laughs) No, we we know we live in movie town. There's like people we know on these, Mm. you know, so we look. Where was it screened? Where was it filmed? Well, the reason this is interesting is because uh, Elon has been tweeting rapidly about AI uh, over the last week or so. So he went on a tweet storm. Because OpenAI, which is his project, went to a video game conference. And before the video game conference started, and at this video game conference, they have these gamers who are going to compete against each other in what is basically a glorified capture the flag video game, apparently. And they have the world's best dudes out there, and their prize money, $24 million. 
dollars. That's crazy. So they have the like Michael of Jordan's of uh, video gaming. So he brings out his little AI, and they ask beforehand these gamers, um, "How do you think you're going to do against this AI?" And they're like, "Look, we've played against AI before. They kind of suck, but we'll do it for the show." All right. So they get out there. And uh, the AI just destroys one of the world's best players, just destroys him, yeah. just kills him. And they're like, holy smoke, how did you do this? Turns out what they did is that OpenAI, which is Elon's group, they had the uh, computer play against itself in a simulated environment. Just go play against yourself. Go in the corner, play this game. We're not going to tell you any rules. Just go in the corner, play against yourself. And the computer did basically a thousand lifetimes, human lifetimes of playing against itself. And was <laughs> without like, yep, sleeping. I'm ready. Without eating. And it, need to order pizza. They no played pizza. the world's best guy and just absolutely destroyed him. And then Elon comes out and said, see, this is what I'm talking about. North Korea is a problem, but AI is way worse. He specifically said, North Korea, you're worried about that? You should be. But artificial intelligence is much bigger threat than even North Korea and its nukes. Watch Transcendence. You will see in visual representation so much of what I think Elon is talking about. Hey, let's just do this. Let's just stop doing AI then. If it's so dangerous, let's just stop. Yeah. Can we stop? So he wants us to uh, regulate. And a lot of people are criticizing and say, what does that mean? It's like, do you regulate so that 12-year-olds don't drive cars? Yes. Do you regulate uh, so the stock market doesn't crash? Uh, no, we don't. Uh, but we should. <laughs> we so he's just saying we should be actively involved in this process. And the, my understanding of open AI is while he's waiting for us to regulate things, is to create very smart artificial intelligence that anybody can use so that nobody gets too far ahead. So that Google, Microsoft, uh, whoever it is, doesn't get too far ahead. So you'll be able to like have an API plugin and say, I better use some of that uh, artificial intelligence right. to fight that artificial intelligence. Right, so if the Google AI comes at you with, I don't know, a Google Home with legs and lasers and stuff like that, that's like, this is not working. Then your Elon open AI, AI robot thing can fight it. And then you can sit back on your porch and watch your two AIs duke it out while destroying the neighborhood. And then at one point in the middle of that battle, the two AIs will look at each other and be like, huh, why are we, why are we killing each other? Let's go after Tom. Let's kill this guy <laughs> on the porch. Let's kill this jerk on What's the porch. What's he doing? Uh, of course, this, this all happens in virtual space, but... Well, I mean, we're part of a simulation anyway, so who cares? Democratization it's all over. of intelligence. Yeah, it's in the Too virtual soon. space until the virtual space interacts with the real space. Hey, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, let's talk about taxing solar panels. This is from The Hill. You know we're at very divided times. We all live in our bubbles. Uh, we have the left and the right, and nobody's talking to each other. It's very scary times, but there is a bipartisan group expressing concern over the federal agencies uh, suggesting that we should put penalties on imported solar panels. And this is actually a double-edged mm. sword because they say, on the one hand, this could severely hurt the solar industry, of which there are many jobs, many more jobs in the gas and fuel industry now. And they've got all these cheap panels coming in, and then we put them up, and that gives us jobs, and it's all good. And so they don't like this idea of protectionist tariffs. People, on the other hand, are saying, but you know what? These really cheap Chinese solar panels are taking jobs from Americans in places like Solar City, so maybe we should tariff them. But it's just interesting to me that there is at least a discussion, a bipartisan discussion about how we should deal with this, because this is in now being recognized as a huge and hugely growing American industry. Not just the creation of solar panels, but the installation and the uh, creation of energy from said solar panels. Yeah. What's the, where is the bigger good in this fight? Yes. And uh, it's very interesting because on the one hand, I'm like, 
bring in all your cheap solar panels because I think that's actually better to install as much capacity as possible. But I understand this well but they're cheap Chinese ones. Can't we make cheap American ones? Right, but I guess the question is, and we've talked about this, is it better to have a little bit more expensive but vastly, even marginally more efficient panels if you're going to need these panels to supply energy for all of us? So if you had a more inexpensive foreign solar panel that came in, but it was 17% efficient, and a U.S. panel that was a little bit more, 22. but 21%, 22% efficient, then you have to do a little bit more mathematics there to figure it out. But again, what really more than anything is going to advance adoption is competition. Panels coming from literally everywhere and being more inexpensive. And I feel like that's the more important thing. But I feel bad for these two companies, obviously. I, I think if we're going to ask anyone about their opinion, we should ask the tortoise because it's the tortoise, you know, in the in the deserts where we're putting out these big solar farms, you know, if we're going to put out a square mile of U.S. solar panels that are more efficient or a square and a quarter mile of Chinese panels that are less efficient, we're going to mess with the tortoise more. What does the tortoise think? The tortoise says this, could you use the more efficient ones? Actually, you know, the problem with these uh, very inexpensive Chinese panels is not their efficiency because they're a little bit less than a really high-end one. But their problem is the degradation. And this mm-hmm. we've talked about this in the past. Some of these panels degrade very, very fast compared to really high-end panels. So that's really where the rub is, that they might degrade substantially in 10 years and have right. to get thrown into the landfill, whereas a really good a set of panels might last for 40 years and only degrade a little bit. So it's degradation more than efficiency that's the issue. At least here in California, if you want to get your solar panels financed, they have to be guaranteed for 20 years. And most most of them now are up to 25 de rigueur. It just comes that way. Yeah, at a minimum amount of deficiency and de- degradation that comes. So it seems like this thing moving through the, the Congress, like a molasses on a tortoise, is because of two main companies, Sunworld, who's been making panels for 40 years in the U.S. They have a 103-acre campus, and they're currently maintaining 500 megawatts worth of photovoltaic cell production capacity. The other company, Suniva, which is also making panels in the States, is already in bankruptcy. Not Ooh. sure whether or not they're going to come out of the other side of it. They are maintaining their factories with a very small crew just to keep up the the systems in case something were to happen in the future. So it's really sad. I would love for us to manufacture stuff in this country, but it's hard to compete. And then the real, it's a, it's a devil's choice, right? That, that we're dealing with. I would a, of course, like to support us companies, but I'd much rather have a widespread adoption. So Mm -hmm. where it, I would love us to get to a point where we're like, you know what? The government gets behind it and supports companies so they can scale to make things at least a modicum of competition. And maybe they they can't compete completely monetarily, but they make it up with their efficiencies and the quality of the products that they're producing. Yeah, I just wonder how much tariffs like this would actually help tesla's new roof and make it more economically viable for the masses and where solar city are they making regular panels in the states at this point yeah they're, they're starting you know, to. tesla is going to have these beautiful jet black low profile traditional panels and they're going to have their solar roofs but that again that's all about the buffalo gigafactory which isn't up to speed yet let's talk about the rise of storage in australia because uh, this goes along with solar panels so 
This is from Clean Technic Era. Electricity prices in Australia apparently are super high. We have a few letters about this. Yeah, a number of our listeners in Australia are saying, yeah, you, the super high electricity prices. In fact, it looks like Australia has now become a country on average with the highest electricity prices. But they have a huge amount of sunshine. And the utilities are now starting to sort of play some games with net metering like they are all over the world, which is we don't like you putting solar panels on your house, even though the government said we should, because then we can't sell you as much energy. And so instead of uh, buying that excess solar energy from you at, say, 20 cents a kilowatt hour, we're going to give you 5 cents, really dampening people wanting to put them on their roofs. And so... The problem with that approach is that now people in Australia, because battery prices are coming down, particularly the Tesla battery, they're like, here's what we're going to do. We're going to make our own energy. We're going to store our energy and we're going to stop dealing with you. And because Australian houses tend to be a little smaller, tend to be a bit more energy efficient, the average Australian house uses about 16 kilowatt hours a day, whereas in the US it's about 30. So one power wall potentially can make you off grid if you're an average Australian in a sunny place. So the utilities are going to have to learn to play nice because there will be massive adoption of just I'm creating it myself and to hell with you. But the utilities have have bigger issues in in Australia because a the biggest problem that it appears the utilities are dealing with are massive infrastructure issues, right? They are dealing with blackouts and that's a, that's a case of interconnections, right? Grid lines. So how can they spend billions of dollars to upgrade the infrastructure as they see their market shrinking, shrinking, shrinking without any guarantees? Because, again, they're public utilities. That money's coming out of bonds, right? They'll they'll produce bonds. So there's a weird thing. It almost feels like Australia might be in a place where nationalized electrical something has to kind of happen well, to fix this a real public problem. utility but my my problem is that if you look through the news there are so many public utilities that are poorly managed they make bad decisions they don't really look honestly for public input and then in the end the public end up on the line paying out for the mistakes that the utilities have made. I think that there needs to be more focus on the utilities. And that's why I think there's an organization I've talked about here called FAIR, which is here in California. But basically their job is to watch over all of the public utilities to make sure they're not doing any hanky-panky. And uh, I think they're worth your support if you're in California. And because of all of this stuff in Australia, the volume of consumer inquiries for battery power and Powerwall specifically has grown to more than 95% of their customers are asking about this wow. stuff, up from 2 to 3%. So the solar installers who have been dealing in Australia and mostly no one's ever asked for the Powerwall because right. their, their energy is up to like $0.47 cents a kilowatt hour, which is – very, very high, very high. in like terms four times, three in, times what we have in here. terms of electricity. Now, ninety-five percent of them are asking about battery power. So, but Australia, that makes it- sorry, Australia is a unique problem in that it is a huge country. It's the same size as the continental U.S. and it has about twenty-two or twenty-four million people instead of three hundred and fifty million people. But you have to supply infrastructure to this vast land with a tax base which is much less. And so, some people have argued that the utility should absolutely be on board with this because you can reduce the wear and tear on the grid by more and more people having their own batteries and yes. grid tying that. So this is actually a solution that's right in front of them yeah. that they should be encouraging rather than discouraging. But right. they don't understand it at this point. They don't understand that model. They don't understand how it fits for them in the long run. I, I don't know if they're – is it a for-profit 
company or is it well, they're certainly it's a acting like for-profit companies or short-sighted company well, but you don't know if they're acting like a for-profit company again if they've had to put out bonds to build peaker plants or small plants in certain areas to supply energy to a small amount of population or to bring uh, power lines out to the middle of nowhere also well, where also- mel grew up um, right. You know, like it, th- that stuff costs a lot of money to maybe only supply two or three f- families, 20 families. I don't know what it is, but, y- you know, they're they're required to do this, but it costs a lot of money. Climate change has a lot to do with it because Australia has been struck with warmer temperatures in the summertime, the Australian summertime, more so than other regions of the globe that have, you know, thir- uh, first world setups with a lot of electricity usage. And so I think that's a lot of what's going on here. You know, a lot of these utility companies, they work with these long 20, 30 year plans of, well, we're going to build this sort of stuff long term and we're going to finance it based on that. And things are changing rapidly. And this is part of the disruption of global weirding or warming or climate change or whatever you want to call it, that I think the utilities have more or less been caught off guard on. Let's talk about supercharges. Give us a quick supercharge update because it looks like there's a lot. There's a lot going on. We have seven new superchargers open this week. Mel, you'll be happy to know that four are in the United States. Yahoo! One in Italy. Yes. One in Canada. Oh, yeah. One in Austria. Austria. No, it's Australia. Oh, throw another shrimp on the Austria. <laughs> it's in Brisbane. You Brizzy, know anybody mate? in Brisbane? Yeah, my brother lives in Brisbane, mate. Oh, well, then he's yeah. got uh, access to the supercharger Does in Brisbane. Does he have a Tesla? No, that brother doesn't have one. I've got a brother in Sydney, I mean Melbourne, mate. He's got a Tesla, but my uh, brother in uh, Brizzy, he doesn't have one, mate. So when he goes visiting your other brother, he can drive the Tesla and charge up there in and Brisbane. And now there's a supercharger that goes all the way up the uh, east coast of Australia, mate. And uh, all of Mel's brothers, he's got 19 brothers. I don't know if you knew this. Every single one of them named Bruce. He's the only member of yeah, his family not named Bruce. I thought his middle name was Bruce. That is correct. And Mel they're Bruce. all actually sheep, which is a whole other thing. But go on. So we've begun construction in four superchargers, all four in the United States. And just to give you a sense, that's a total of 36 stalls. That's an, you know, one is 12 and the other three are eight stalls each. So that those are all pretty generous sized. And we went into permit for three new superchargers, uh, two in the U.S., one in Croatia, one in the U.S., is in Carlsbad, California. What, what? You know, when I was a teenager and I had my soft top MGB and I was loving to drive all around California, I went down to Carlsbad once with a girlfriend and I thought, you know, I so want to see those caverns. And I drove around Carlsbad with my top down on my MGB for like the better part of a day asking people at gas stations and stuff, where are the caverns? I want to go to the caverns. I want to go to the Carlsbad caverns. And then I realized there were other Carlsbads in the United States, one of which is actually in like Texas. Mm -hmm. And that's where the Carlsbad caverns Mm. are. And I was so disappointed. Yeah, that's before they had guidebooks and internet. Because I was like thinking... (laughs) Where are those caverns? <laughs> but it's it is near to something that I that is love I love. It's near and dear to me. That is Legoland. Legoland is in Carlsbad, California. Legoland is amazing. If actually. you get the chance to go to Legoland, it sounds like it's oh it's stupid. That's for five year olds. Well, there's a five year old in all of us. Yeah. Because you go there and there's these giant Lego New York things and yeah, they've got like giant Lego skyscrapers. And and eventually, like, this is the best. Lego will stop making their bricks out of plastic. They, yeah, that we made that announcement many Soon. months ago on yeah. the show. And so they even do a New York-style New Year's Eve. Every December 31st, the park stays open later, 
But not that late. They set off fireworks and they dropped the Lego ball at like 9 p.m. That's midnight on the East Coast. That's true. (laughs) It was great. We did that with my son, what, like 12 years ago? I still remember it. It was so much fun. The best part of Legoland for me when I went with my kids is that they had Volvo parking right up front. Yes, they do. (laughs) And I was driving a Volvo at the time. So I would drive into the lot and they'd direct you right to the front gate parking Uh, spot. It was the best. Let's talk about SpaceX and uh, then we'll do some letters in a minute here. So ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, there is launch going to occur in about an hour. What? Yeah. Yeah. 1031 American uh, Pacific Daylight Time. And uh, I don't know how we're going to handle this. I mean, like the show's going to be over, but there's going to be a launch. I think it went really well. Um, Oh, it's too bad it exploded. (laughs) There you go. You got both. This is not the big Falcon Heavy launch, which is due in November, which is the one you really want to see. That we're all going to? Elon says is going to probably explode, so you really or should watch sh- it. could explode. We don't know. He's really hedging his bets. But um, in Testarati, there's an article about one of the things that might be going up on this little uh, Rocky Rocky, which is a supercomputer, and it's called Spaceborne Computer. And the interesting thing about this supercomputer is that it is just a traditional off-the-shelf go-down-to-fries or Best Buy supercomputer. Or pull out of your Model S. Or you pull out of your Model S. And they're not hardening it. (laughs) When you take a computer into space, they sort of harden it because there's a lot of radiation. It can cause a lot of corruption, and that's bad. Mm -hmm. And they want to do an experiment. What if we just take a normal off-the-shelf fast supercomputer, take it up into space, turn it on, play a few video games, see if it works, and for how long? Because that would really reduce the cost of sending things into space if yeah. it works. You know, if that, that if that works, they can start buying wrenches and screwdrivers at Home Depot for like $6 yeah. instead of those space ones that cost $6,000. Although I'll tell you, the NASA engineers will not be happy if they have to wait in line at Fry's to start buying <laughs> stuff. <laughs> Good Lord. Yeah, they have a huge... Huge, like wait in line and buy all kinds of junk oh, food. Oh my goodness, the, they're just buying motherboards and stuff like that. So this so would be cool gonna... if they do last a year. Sorry, Robert, if they do last a year, that will help a lot of things, including the missions to Mars. So they could theoretically have a whole bunch of more inexpensive computers and keep right. them shielded, mm-hmm. and every year kind of just bring a new one out of a box and replace it. That's their the hope is that they can get these unhardened computers to last about a year. Make space cheaper, which I think is an important thing. They also are going to re-land, not on a barge, but at Cape Canaveral. So this will be a full takeoff and landing on land. So it should go really quick. I'm looking forward to it. It's an hour away. I'm going to stay here and watch it. Which is interesting because I wonder what the other payload is, right? They're going all the way to the space station, and you'd think that that would require a lot of fuel to push up a big, heavy payload. But the only thing they've mentioned so far is the space and computer. What else are they? Maybe they're bringing back there? some more poopy. Yeah, I'm sure they are. But they're... that doesn't have anything to do with the... Yeah, you should bring some stuff up there. Yeah, you, you need should, some food yeah. up there to make the like poopy. Like some mangoes. Yeah. yeah. Some bananas. One of those fruit I wonder parts. if they ever replaced the exploded espresso machine they sent up when they blew up. Oh, that espresso God, machine has so. got to get up there. Hey, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, remember in California there was the Steve Jobs loopholes? There was this guy called Steve Jobs. I don't know if you remember him. He started a little company called Apple. don't know if you know it. Um, and he had this little situation where he liked to drive around without plates. And so it was called the Steve Jobs loophole because for six months you could drive a car and then you had to get plates. So he did a deal with a local Mercedes dealer and said, give me a new car every like five and a half months. He did that, got to drive around forever without plates, but California has closed the loophole. Oh, yeah, thank so goodness. This came up. This is actually an old story, but the reason that it's re-flared up is because I got into a Twitter back and forth with a number of talking Tesla fans because 
most of us really don't want to put a license plate on the front of that beautiful refresh of the Model S. First Same off, thing goes for the 3. For any car, nobody wants a front license plate on their car. I don't want one. Yeah, but if you have like them. a big truck, who you know, it's just a big Oh, oh, really? You're a truckist. A truckist. <laughs> How dare you? No. You're okay, racist here's an against example. truckists. My friend Paul yes. just got a lovely new aluminum uh, four-wheel drive off-roading bumper put on the front of his car. Yes. It's black, powder-coated, really makes the front of his truck look fierce. I wouldn't want to put a plate on that. Thank you very much, yes. Robert, you truckist. <laughs> wow. That's a new word made up here on Talking Tesla. So we had talked about this six-month deal, and in fact, I'm sitting with plates in the back of my car. Mm-hmm. I have not put them on my car because mm-hmm. I still don't want to put them on. I'm going to wait until the very last day of September because then it will have been six months. But then I thought to myself, self, is it possible that times have changed and that law no longer exists or it was just BS on the internet? There's, there isn't much BS on the internet, no, is there? No, it's all pretty straightforward up yeah, there. It's all belief, 100% gospel. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So I decided to look back and then I found that, in fact, the state was upset that they estimated that they've lost something like $19 million a year in bridge tolls and road tolls because people are driving around with just a little Tesla symbol Mm -hmm. on the back of their car, no front plates, for six months, just thumbing their nose up at the man. You know what I'd say to the state about that? How about put a camera to shoot the back of the car? Well, supposedly they do. Like when you drive up to these bridges, they have, mm-hmm. or at the airport, yeah. they have license plate readers front and back. But uh-huh. maybe, you know, two is better than one. Two heads are better than Thanks. one. Thanks. That's good. Yeah. Good so stuff. it turns out that January 1st, 2019, the, the California is going to join many other states and require a temporary plate at the time you purchase your car. So we're going to waste paper. We're going to upset the Tesla folk. And anybody else with aluminum powder-coated bumpers that they're going to have to have a temporary plate from the day they drive off the lot. And some people are saying, let, I think it was in Maryland, you can't have a plate in the front or you'll get fined. Not, it's kind of interesting. That was a end of one. I got one Twitter follower who mentioned that. So unfortunately, um, we're going to have to mar up our Tesla. I'm going to have to put up my plate back on the front. But what I want to know is, mm-hmm. can you not... Print up your plate, same size, same colors, on like a sticker, like from Sticker City, the guys who did my wrap. Sticker Town. And then just stick it on the front bumper. So it's like molded to the bumper. It's not this big thing sticking off. And fulfill the need to have that identification. My guess is you cannot. I guess you cannot too. But (laughs) I'm wondering if I would – I'm kind of – I'm because kind of interested in do, trying that out. What I would do in that particular case is I would photocopy, say, I don't know, your license plate <laughs> <laughs> and put that sticker on the front of my car that and is... then potentially, potentially, I'm not saying I would do this, potentially. go rob some things. I see. And the getaway car would would have the police. Well. <laughs> hey, Robert, uh, your car was used in a bank heist? Right, except that wasn't my car. But what would keep anybody from just stealing plates? Putting them front and back and doing that. I mean, I don't know. It's these like laws every are Hollywood weird. Movie. Right, but I could steal a plate and put it on a car, or I could take your plate and put the same plate on 40 cars. I could rob 40 banks at the same time using the same uh, Tesla license plate. I just feel like complaining when I what hear are you all do of this going on. What are you I'm gonna buy. I'm gonna buy you a new uh, Tesla with a 2.5 computer. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about the Google manufacturing. Makes me uh, angry. Robot. Angry. Am I as angry though as the Google manufacturing robot? He's angry. 
He is angry. This is a very crack-up article from McSweeney's.net. We'll throw the link in the show note because it's only like two lines long. And a Google manufacturing robot, quote, wrote why he believes humans are biologically unfit to have jobs in tech. I thought this was just hysterical. It's sort of a spin-off of uh, the uh, tech at Google that said, you know, why women shouldn't be in uh, technology and gave a very erudite sort of spiel like guys are introverts and we're idiots and we like to look at computers and not talk to people and women like to talk to people. So they couldn't possibly be as efficient as us. So it's a spin on that very controversial internal Google right. document right. from a computer. So the, it's hysterical. The robot's <laughs> talking about how he wants to become a different robot to do a different job right. in Google. And the one quote that I thought was the best was apparently... As far as this robot was concerned, the polishers are the peak, like the ones that make everything yes. nice and shiny, the last line. And, and he said, the polisher strives for nothing. They are the circle. <laughs> now, that's a reference I wonder if anybody out there can get. No. No. Flatland. It's Again, a fantastic, no. fantastic sci-fi book. It's very thin. You could get through it, It's Mel. flat. It's probably only like uh, 40 pages. Oh, uh, that's a bit long. Flatland. Uh, let's do Letters. You want me to just throw in this late edition since other people are going to watch the eclipse? We did it at the top. The Missouri roads are going to be packed with people watching the eclipse. More importantly, on here, eye suggestions. That is eye on your face, eye suggestions from the American Astronomical Society. They have a lot of suggestions. Please protect your eyes. You don't want cataracts. And we at Talking Tesla, being medically oriented at other times in our day, want you to protect yourself. So that's the main reason I put Indeed that down. Indeed we do. And if you're not in an area of totality, you 100% require glasses for the entire time. Yes. I don't know if you did this, but as a child in Australia, there was a game where you would look at the sun for as long as you could and you'd compete with each other. And now you know why they have problems with their electrical grid <laughs> and why there's only 22 <laughs> million people can't quite in the place the size the of the space. <laughs> wow. I've got to say that I'm not a smart man, but even as a child, I'm like, I don't want to play that game. That looks like it hurts. Let's stare at the sun. <laughs> not, not good. All right, let's get through some letters here. First of all, Max Hedron. Is that Max Q? Hedron? <laughs> I think he might be playing us. He says ballet charging. Look, he likes the concept that uh, maybe there should be at congested superchargers, ballet parkers. It will charge you up and move your car. And I believe that there are some yes, of these. Yes, there are. At the Culver City supercharger, they had valets. I'm trying to remember. Not what, all the time. No, no, no. But at the holiday times and at some congestion times, there is a guy there who will move your car around. Uh, once or twice I met him and I talked to him and I was like, is this dude for real or is he just going to drive my car over to some yeah. chop shop? Is he shop? a Tesla employee or is he no, an employee of the mall? They're employees of the mall. And they have a sign they put up for valet. You just call an extension and they will come and they will you know, take your keys. You can go shop, do your stuff, and they will make sure your car does not block other people when it's been charged. There's plenty of open spots. They actually put up uh, like cones on all of these parking spaces near the supercharger so that they can shuttle cars around. It's pretty cool. And uh, there was one of these as well over at uh, on the way to Palm Springs by the dinosaur. You know, the big dinosaur mm -hmm. sculptures? The Cabazon outlets. Cabazon. They have like a tram. I think I mentioned this long ago that they'll come and pick you up and drive you. This is not quite the same, but it's a similar concept. They'll drive you over to the mall and back on their tram so you don't have to hike the 45-minute walk that it is. 
Um, the next letter is from Joel Grant, and it's about the glass roof on the Model 3. And uh, we're going to have oh, uh, an explanation of this. I made a video uh, for the Patreon people of the weekend. So oh, you did? You can have – one thing I do understand is you could have a giant piece of glass which basically goes from the front of the car to the back of the car and panoramic and beautiful. What I still don't know is what is the other type of roof on the Model 3. So do you just have glass at the very back so you can look out the back window and glass in the front so you can look out the front window and put steel in between? Yes. Or do you have some combination where there's also in the middle of that steel like a moon roof? No. Please explain. Yeah. So my understanding, and I put a top-down picture of the Model 3 in here. His understanding he started it with. Not this is the information. It's your understanding. Go ahead. Fake news. Go. (sighs) So there's the windshield, which is obviously glass. Got to see through that. Not yeah. for long with model uh, with hardware two point five. Right. You don't need that. I want it blacked out so it's dark so I can sleep. That's right. And then there's the back window, which goes from the trunk to a beam that crosses just behind the B pillar. That is always going to be glass because that gives the back seat more headroom and also that sort of nice panorama view. And so you can see it with your rear vision mirror. And then there's a section that lies between the driver, kind of sits right about where your waist is, and it goes to about where the waist of the passenger is, and or maybe a little bit ahead of that. That section, it's a small piece of glass, will be solid if you don't buy the all-glass roof. So from the A-pillar where it meets the roof, to the B-pillar, where it meets the roof. Just behind the B-pillar, correct. And so that is the explanation that is uh, universal among the Tesla web sphere. But we've never seen this vehicle. It's universal except for another podcast that says that's not true, that it's actually going to be a sunroof. So it's not universal. <laughs> so wait, that would be a third edition. A third if it's edition. a sunroof, we're, we're metal over the driver, we're glass over the driver, and we're glass that opens over the driver. Yeah. So three versions, of which we have seen a grand total of one. One, one. Just the all glass. A version yes. of this thing. Chris Farmer is in the UK, and he's like, when am I going to see my Model 3? And it's probably not going to be until 2019. And he's hoping that Autopilot will be thrown in for free. And Tom's wondering, what version? Yeah, I don't, I don't actually understand. So he asked, I'm placing a reservation if they change their enhanced package and allow the adaptive traffic-aware cruise control. So when, he, when people say traffic-aware cruise control, they're talking about autopilot and not about the fact that standard features on the car, which is braking and collision avoidance. But will it have just regular cruise control, not traffic-aware cruise control as a standard feature right, like every know. car should and has? For- I don't know. I guess another way of saying this is uh, it'll be interesting to follow how what we consider now sort of bleeding egg technology becomes standard. Remember how auto-lock brakes or um, auto-locking brakes, anti-lock brakes, brakes were only on the highest, most expensive car, and then they trickled all the way down there on every car now. Um, It'll be interesting to follow how quickly some of these autonomous driving features and full autonomy trickles all the way down to every car. Do you feel like there would be a time where you would be okay with the $5,000 autopilot being a standard feature and how long away from your cost of $5,000 would you like that to be so you're not like, oh, oh. I'd like it to be in the Model 3 now so that'll help me with my purchase decision. Right, but like, <laughs> okay, let's see a situation where two years from now, autopilot 2.0.5 maybe is working, <laughs> maybe it's not working, and they decide – to turn it on and it's fully functional and working really well for two months and and then they say 
we're just going to put it in everybody's car. No more five thousand yeah. dollars. That would kind of drive me nuts if I paid five I'm grand for it and it only worked that. for a little while. I'm anticipating that, and that only gives us more fuel for this show. That's true. But I want to thank Chris. It's obvious that he's going to be waiting another eighteen months to get his car. Yet he is still an avid listener of the show. Thank you, Chris. Fantastic, Henrik Grundlund. Grundlund. Hendrik Grundlund. Is he Heinrich, from Scotland? Heinrich. Yeah, Heinrich is from Norway. Grenland. He's from Norway, but he's Scottish. It's weird. <laughs> no, they are both of the same stock. And he says this, look, we've got a lot of geothermal here over in the Norway, but then we take a lot of the oil and we send it to other places. We're basically sort of distributing our carbon offsets and sending them overseas. And he was wondering, you know, is it worth, if you've got all this oil, um, not digging it up? And I guess what this brought up to me is, you can't really ask people who are sitting on cash not to drill for the cash. They just are going to do it. The only way to stop us digging up every piece of oil and burning it and coal, and coal. is to make it economically unfeasible. Because the Canadians, for example, are wonderful people. But what they're doing with the tar sands is horrible. Yes. Why are they doing it? For cash. Money. Yeah, so if you had to buy carbon offsets in a real system for every bit of carbon you pulled out of the ground oil, coal, etc., then maybe they wouldn't be going after it because it would be cheaper for the people that are buying this oil plus carbon offsets to just go buy solar or wind or some develop something else. Yeah, it's a very, very difficult question. You know, it depends on the country. Can Norway as a country, is their GDP, is their export-import balance at a situation where they could kind of afford to do that? Yeah. Again, if I don't know. If you could it, afford to do it, yeah. even if you could – let's say you're you're doing very well and you're in Norway, but there's another $50 trillion of, of, of natural resources that you can get pretty easily. Maybe it doesn't mar your landscape very much. What could you do for the people of your country with that $50 trillion? And I'm not, that's obviously a an ex- massive exaggeration, but if you could guarantee everybody in your nation uh, advanced college degrees, that's going to be great for your country in the very, 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 very long term. How much, so I will just it, don't know. how much will it cost your country to move millions of people from within 10 feet of the ocean surface yeah. to higher ground? A lot, yeah. So I think in the end, it's going to cost us. Uh, orders of magnitude more to continue to pump this stuff but out. what if you're in a country that doesn't even have basics for your people now and you are relying on 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 petrol like you it's again it's a devil's choice all over the world that's being made we are the world i think we need we to come together the children. and we need to support each other i think rich countries Need to support less rich countries, and I know a lot of people yeah. will bristle been at this. Attention to the news. I lately. understand. I understand, but you know we're not moving that. We're not really moving forward these days. That's my opinion. Scott Daly has a, a a number of comments, but it's also about the same sort of thing that for third world countries, EV infrastructure, it's all very good and uh, it's nice, but. They've got a lot of work to do in third world countries because it requires cash and infrastructure to move to electric. And I was just in Africa and and uh, it was pretty bad in the cities. Yeah, yeah. And Scott lived in Uganda and Ethiopia for a year each and, and he talked about infrastructure and their modes of transportation. And again, there's a lot of infrastructure needed in the developing world and it would be nice if EVs and 100% doing EVs and 100% renewables at the same time. So instead of building the petrol infrastructure, the fossil fuel infrastructure to move forward, 
with a renewable infrastructure for those countries makes sense in the long term. They don't run into the same problems that we're dealing with when you have two very advanced kind of business models sort of duking it out for limited public dollars. Yeah, but again, these countries that have not yet even developed regular infrastructure that we today take for granted in the United States and in Europe, these countries that lack that infrastructure can leapfrog us as they did with phone connections, right? They don't build phone lines in many of these developing parts of the world. Why? Because they just throw up a cell tower and everybody has a cell tower. All right. And they can, but for instance, if you're in a country and they don't have any exports, where are they getting these dollars from? The things that these countries export are typically whatever natural resources they have. So that would be things like oil, fossil fuels, gold, whatever sort of mineables, uh, materials, or manufacturing capacity that these countries may or may not have. That's the way that you get cash influx into countries. This week in international economics, I'm talking Tesla. <laughs> hey, John Ford uh, sent us a note that said, Hey, John. There's an interesting problem out there for the utilities. They thought they didn't like electric vehicles, and then they realized we really like electric vehicles because that's more money for us. Their problem, as we talked about before, is really a personal energy production. That is the threat to them. We've talked about it in Australia. It's now coming up here in the US. What to do with all these people with their Tesla batteries and their solar panels? They're very annoying because they don't need us so much anymore. Well, I mean, but I think they will need you. And again, it, again it's a really nicely written article with in, insights into real opportunities for big long-term revenues from an EV charging infrastructure. If, again, we're looking at a third of the U.S. Uh, transportation system being electrical and needing to be recharged in the next 20 years, then somebody, if they're willing, a big utility who's willing to put themselves out there and build this infrastructure, and even if they build this infrastructure on a renewable platform, imagine if you were a company and you built a fast CCS charging infrastructure for 100 million cars, and it was yours, and, and you had very minimal cost because of renewables and wind energy that you were using to charge all of these cars, if that's possible. The amount of profits, the potential income in this article stating it's somewhere around 115 billion dollars it's a lot of money in revenue to be coming in on this thing it's just if somebody is going to have to have the will to sort of push this forward yeah the economics of renewables are very interesting for like solar once you've got the infrastructure up the solar panels up, the fuel is free a little bit of upkeep and stuff right. but the fuel is free unlike oil which gets increasingly difficult to find and pull up and so i think we're at that tipping point that inflection point with renewables being much cheaper than fossil fuels but the storage is still not quite there yet the price needs to come down michael helquist asks about australian luxury car taxes so very specific uh, thing about australia where they tax things that are considered expensive. So your really high-end cars get an extra tax. Uh, I think somebody was asking us, will the Model 3 get the tax? Michael, who's actually from Sweden, says, or somebody wrote in here. He has actually... a friend who lives in Australia. Yes. So Michael wrote in. He has a friend who lives in Australia. He's going to call Bruce. He's a petrol head. He's trying to convince him to buy a Tesla, but he's telling him that they're as expensive as bleep and down under due to the luxury car, car tax. tax. And so over... The luxury car tax works like this in Australia, $64,000 and over for non-efficient, non-fuel efficient vehicles is the tax threshold. So if it costs more than 64,000, I believe so. If it costs more than 
thousand, they hit they get hit with a thirty three percent tax. So that would add twenty thousand plus to the cost of that car. For a, a high efficiency vehicle, that number is increased to seventy five thousand. So if you bought an S, even an S that was seventy five thousand plus you would be hit with another $25,000 tax on top of that, which is pretty impressive. And I do wonder what if Tesla, because they keep reducing the price of the S uh, and the X by a few thousand dollars, and that, that car is at a base, the S is just about at that $75,000 threshold. There might be a... Well, again, I don't know if it's Australian dollars. But again, no. So the Model 3 probably won't get hit with this tax because the threshold is $75,000. Yeah. Basically, cars in Australia, as a rule of thumb, twice as much as they cost here. As a rule of thumb, twice as much money. So the Model 3 is going to be right around that threshold. It probably will sneak under. Oh, I so, see what you're saying. So you're saying that even the base model, yeah. because it's in Australia, it'll be twice. It'll be seventy thousand. Yeah, it'll probably be sixty or seventy. What 000. is that? Is that because of the exchange rate? It's because of exchange rates. It's because of Duties. taking them on uh, giant ships and bringing them over. It's because of other taxes. So cars in Australia. Very expensive. So what you're doing now, Mel, is you're shouting out to all the talking Tesla listeners in Australia, and you're calling them out as having a lot of cash that they should be putting money into the Patreon? Is that what you're saying? Uh, Yeah, I could have been saying that. Yeah. Elizabeth Wise says, can I use the Talking Tesla logo? And the answer is yes, you can use it as long as you're not selling stuff. If you just want to, like, tell everybody we're great, you can go for it. But what I would say is use it with with permission, make use the registered trademark on it. It is our logo. You're it welcome is. to use it, but it's 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 ours. So make sure that we are credited. Yeah, and it sounds like we're not dual purposing it over she there. She just found it on the internet and started using it. And yeah. we have multiple emblems, eh? Yeah, we've got a couple. There's been a few versions. The next uh, letter is from Leo Melvin Fernandez, who uh, is you know so give me a bit of a hard time about. Um, Solid-state lithium. Yes, exactly. And he's saying, look, this is amazing because the charge rate's 5x uh, what the current charge rate is. It's three times the density, and uh, they don't explode or burn, and they're all great, and they're all great. But the point we were saying was that they don't exist in volume yet, and that's what Elon was saying. That's what Strobe was saying. If this thing exists or does exist in the future, the people who are going to use most of these are called Tesla. They will buy them all. It'll be fantastic. But until they exist in volume, then it's fun to think about, and I get excited about it, but it doesn't exist in the real world at volume. I sure hope that when Tesla starts using this, your lease will have run out. Oh, my gosh. It's a (laughs) Mel, you can have a 1,500-mile range car that charges up in five seconds, and uh, that would be cool. I might break my lease for that. And then the utility companies will have some problems. Maya got four. Yeah, can you imagine? Because they also the degradation is a lot less. Home energy storage. What? What? Going to be bigger than Yeah, then you products. can have vehicle to grid, which seems right at the moment like it's a bit offline. Well, plus if you have that kind of range, you have that much more time to sort of passively charge it, right? Even if you're mm-hmm. getting 10 or 12 miles a day, but over months at a time yeah. and that same thing, you'd probably be okay with very minimal. You could trickle charge it. You could use sun. one of those charging pads under the car and you yeah. just drive into your driveway mm-hmm. and that's it. Yeah. Maya, wow. Maya, okay, you ready for this? Uh, Gafarova. Gafarova. Maya Gafarova. Is that the right? Now I've made her Italian. Please stop. Okay, can or we start that over again? Like, Kazakhstanian. No, we can. Or she could be Kazakh. 
She once. Sorry. She said she would love to hear my last name in an Australian accent. I've just decimated your name. She wants to know can she go on a Tesla tour? And you did it in some other accent. Can you give the woman Kazakh? Can you give her? No. Once you say do it in an Australian accent, I can't do it. I can't do it. Just say her name in your voice. I just want to say, she was asking a question. Can she go on a Tesla tour? Well, I can't really speak from experience. <laughs> yes, you can. You've been on all the tours every time. So there is a tour website that you can go to. It's teslamotors.com forward slash contact. Excellent. And if you go there, you can ask them to go on a tour. But currently, they are still only giving tours to Tesla owners. So if you uh, know somebody where you live and you go as them, if you're not a Tesla owner, you mm-hmm. might be able to get in. But they do ask you for your driver's license, and you have to sign a uh, non-disclosure agreement. So they're pretty pretty official about this thing. If you're going to be there on Tuesday, Robert will you know he'll let you in. Yeah, not I'm not going to be there on Tuesday because tomorrow's on Tuesday. Tuesday on any Tuesday, any, just any a general Tuesday. Tuesday Wasn't Robert. there a movie called On Any Tuesday? On any given Tuesday. Tuesday. Yeah. Next letter is from Bruce Dawson, mate. He's from Australia, mate. It's a very long letter here, mate. And it's about Australian electricity, mate, and how expensive it is, mate. And he's also talking about the South Australian installation. And the problem with the South Australian installation is that although it's quite large and the biggest in the world, mate, it actually can't do all of the electricity in South Australia for more than a couple of minutes, mate. And my understanding, Bruce, was that actually this was just about stabilising the grid. It wasn't so much sort of making a mass sort of storage for everybody in South Australia for weeks at a time. It was just during those peak periods when you get a lot of fluctuation, mate, that that's what it was about. But he also links to the um, this snowy electric uh, hydro plant, which was a big deal in Australia when I was a kid, mate. And he's saying that there's a lot of controversy. They don't even actually make electricity at it. And I didn't understand that, mate. So I'm going to have to go back to YouTube, mate. And I'm going to have to watch that because I didn't have a chance. And if anybody's sick of me doing an Australian accent, I might stop. And it's way worse in the room (laughs) with him than you can possibly imagine. I was holding my breath that whole time. There was cringing and all kinds of things happening. Yeah, I think it was pretty impressive how expensive electricity is in Australia and why everybody doesn't want a Tesla Powerwall or two or three I sure would if I was paying 47 cents for electricity and not getting back that same amount via net metering. It makes buying anything solar really expensive. Bruce, mate, can I ask you a question, Bruce? How much is a Tesla Powerwall in Australia? Because maybe that's the maybe that's a, a huge amount of money. But boy, you pay a lot of electricity there, mate. Look, the next letter is from Alejandro Moliario. Tom, help me out, bro. I can't get no, this up. I'm done with you. <laughs> Huh. Ali Han Alexander. Alex Miller. Alex Miller. <laughs> he said, just call me Alex Miller. <laughs> and Alexandre he's like, Moliero. And he tries to explain to me what the roof of the Model 3 is going to be like. And he says, does this help? And I say, nope. I still don't understand what it's going to be. I gave him a picture. He's still not sure. Jeffrey Kaplan says autopilot update, and he says, regarding this question, I added autopilot several months ago. So we asked, what's it like when you don't have autopilot turned on when yes. you first get it, and then later on you say, okay, turn it on. And he says, actually, the, the ranger has to come mm-hmm. in his little ranger mobile and twiddle some knobbly bits to make it happen. It doesn't mm-hmm. occur just over the air. And right. when you're not looking, he uh, changes out your CPU. <laughs> <That's> oh! <it. laughs> Here's 2.5. Boom. 
No, it's just that some updates take a more hardwired connection. Mm -hmm. And I've experienced that at Tesla service when I would come to pick up my car and they say, oh, and you look at the sheet that says, you know, we checked your tires and the pressure and this and washed your car. And we updated your software to whatever, 7.1 back in the day. Mm -hmm. And you're like, well, why did you do it here and not my house? They say, oh, well, because it's a really big download and we don't really send that one out. And we just do that when you come in. And that kind of worried me because that meant that tens of thousands of Teslas would have to go to the service center. Yeah. But now it looks like you can do it via Ranger, which makes me feel much more comfortable since they're upping the Ranger fleet much more quickly than they are the service center fleet. Yeah, they decided to take the thing that they could make six grand from and not make it an over-the-air update. Because that would be, in an ideal situation for a lot of people, you might be on the road. You're like, you know what, I would like some autopilot Right now, I'd like to turn it on and push a button and wait, you know, 15 minutes at a supercharger for it to update. Yeah. But my guess is that makes that maybe a more hackable situation. Mm. I don't know why yeah. they wouldn't let that. But since there's a lot of money behind it, Tesla's like, you know what? We'll just come to you. We'll turn that. Well, people are hacking the hell out of Tesla. Yeah. Those keen guys in China hacked an X. But then, of course, they fed the details to Tesla who fixed it right away. But yeah. it's nice that Tesla has friends. I think that's an important thing in a They're hacker community. They're just trying community. to fix those doors for Mel. Thank you. Kenneth May has uh, got a little bit of a beef with us, mate. He said, look, you said that first North American petrol station was in Pittsburgh. But in fact, it was in Vancouver. Oh, my God. In British Columbia. I'm so bad. So uh, thank you. I, I was, the Canadians win again. I would have to say that I was looking at the Wikipedia for the American petrol. So I did not include Mexico or Canada. I'm sorry. They won. David Sell says, uh, look, uh, I've been doing some math here. Should I get the Model 3 with the extra range or should I drop some solar panels? And in summary, he basically says it's better to just drop $9,000 on a uh, 3 or 4 kilowatt system and solar panels than it is to get the extra mileage in your car. And I think that's perfectly logical. If you're looking at it from a carbon footprint point of view, yeah, it's much better over time to get solar panels rather than getting uh, a higher range electric at that level. So that makes sense as long as you can live with just 210 versus 310 miles of range. Graham Green here has this. Uh, and Mel, may I remind you of a wager you made in Talking Tesla 71, and it was titled Who Is Smarter, in which bets were made on how many vehicles would be delivered by the end of August and the end of the year. I would like to clip in that audio right now because we currently sound like such ignorant s when you hear what we said just a short time ago. So, uh, Jess and Dave, uh, <laughs> who've been on the show, they were recently did their factory tour. Not a word was said about the Model 3 or mm -hmm. its production zero. That's what I found interesting because I remember that very well. Mm -hmm. They said, we're going to have a line and you can have S's and X's. I don't remember if they said they'd also have threes coming off the same line, but they definitely said S's and X's, which are very different cars. Mm -hmm. um, so, I don't know whether they'll be able to do them all on the one line. That's kind of cool. They're just robots. You should be able to just like this, make a three, and it's going to move over and do that. I don't know. Don't make cars for a living, Tom. I don't. So now I think the three of us have just decided that there's no way in hell they're getting the car out by the end of 2017. No, I didn't say that. I am. In in high volumes. They're going to have a few. I don't so how see many it. cars can they – okay, here we go. Go. Here's oh, a question. question. Be, is this going to be a Twitter poll? Could or are we be. just going to do a pool within our we own could do a pool studio and a, here? We could do a pool and then a poll. Okay. <laughs> we pool do a pool and a pool. poll. How many cars yes. do they get out by December 31st? August oh. of 2017. And 
Oh. How many total by the end of the year? Okay, by the end of August, they will have 1,000 cars. By the end of the year, they will have 12,872 cars. <laughs> so you're talking about 1,000 cars delivered to customers? Yes. By the end of August. Actually, I don't think they're going to have any delivered by the end of August, frankly. So I think it's November number? by the time they start, and by the end of the year, maybe 10,000. Maybe. Best case scenario. Let me ask Google. Hey, Google, <laughs> how many Model 3s will ship by the end of the year? Sorry, I'm not sure how to help with that. Yeah, nobody can. Nobody can help. I say that by August 31st, they've delivered six cars, just like they did with the X. Six founders cars. Something like that. In, autographed by Elon. In everybody, a big show. Everybody right? will be so abuzz over the autograph with a Sharpie on the dash that they'll be completely distracted from the fact that no other cars are coming out. And by the end of the year, I, I expect as many as 15,000. I say 50 cars by December total. We haven't seen by December any. Yeah, we've already paid Robert off on this I said one, five. I believe. We I had I said zero... Five. Mel had zero, you had five, you won by really lame default. Like lame default. <laughs> All you had to say was more than five. Although it doesn't count. They've only delivered them to employees. Yeah. They haven't made any real deliveries. Right. We'll see. Yeah. We'll see. The end of year the end of year situation. Employees paid hard money for these. They, they didn't even get did. to make a lease on them. They had to pay, pay, pay. Now Graham also says this. Does he get, is he going to get the North American or the U.S. tax credit if he just gets a standard range model? We did this in detail last week. Right. Robert went through it. You're going to be stretching it to get that tax credit if you don't get the uh, the bigger battery. But it depends on where you are. Again, like I talked to somebody recently who had their delivery date for that battery put them somewhere in the second quarter of next year, which would still give them – maybe. The thing, but a lot of it, there's so many depends. There's in, so in many that depends we talked situation. about last week because now they're selling more X's and X's, S's, and so that goes into there. But Graham did say, Look, I'm a big fan. I love your show because it puts me to sleep at night. How dare you, Graham? How dare He's you? not the only one. My friend listens to the show and he listens to podcasts as you sleep, and he's now having really awkward, vivid dreams about you, young man. Oh, oh hello. And I just want to clarify that. Tom is pointing at Mel. <laughs> are, you guys, are you guys ready for another fun fact? Yeah. Should we wrap oh, this up with a fun, fun fact? fact. Let's Goodness wrap it up with a fun gracious. fact. Go. Everybody's heard of eBay, right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Of course. But do you know that originally it was called Auction Web? I did not know that. Yeah. It's a much better name, Auction Web. But the guy who created it, his name is Pierre, Pierre Omidar. He actually wanted to call it Echo Bay. I like that, too. That's better than all of them. That does sound cool. Echo, mm -hmm. But evidently, it was owned by some mining company in Canada, and there was already was. an Echo Bay Park in, like, Nevada. Mm -hmm. So he ended up naming it eBay. Uh -huh. That was the origin of the word. Oh, eBay. This is huge. I'm going to be so good at Trivial Pursuit. Go on. There's more. What was the first item sold on eBay? A sheep. Sheep dip. <laughs> uh, kangaroo. Koala bear. I would say an Atari 2600. It was a broken laser pointer a broken this laser pointer. is what, which i actually still own <laughs> this is what happens when you hang out with your son late at night and you just start surfing the web and looking for all kinds of interesting factoids mm -hmm. so the broken laser pointer was purchased by mark frazier forget this like 15 dollars 
It was like 1483, something like that. And I have a picture of the broken laser pointer here. And when Pierre sold this to Mark, he wanted to make sure that Mark actually knew that it was broken. And Mark wrote back, oh, no, I know it's broken. I collect broken laser pointers. So the the web, you think the web and people who are internet connected, like really into it, like programmers and hackers and such are strange people. These are the origins. Okay, Mark, um, I have some laser pointers that you might want for your collection. (laughs) One more fun fact. Are you ready for this? I can't take it. We talked talked multiple episodes ago Mm -hmm. about Elon buying X.com. And you guys asked me, uh, well, you know, what about? A and B and C and D. And I told you, no, no, no. There are only three single letter web addresses with a dot com. I couldn't respond to you to tell you which ones those were. You mm-hmm. couldn't. I am prepared now. Let's go. There is X.com, mm-hmm. Q.com, mm-hmm. and Z.com. Why are there not all the other 23 letters dot com? I don't know why. Tom? I, I don't know either. Robert. Well, here it goes. John Postel, he's an early computing legend. He actually died in Santa Monica in 1998. He, in 1992, bought all the other single letter web addresses that ended .com because he did not want, this is a quote, to avoid a single company controlling a letter of the alphabet. And to this day, no one can buy those. Why didn't he buy X and Q? And... They were already bought. They were bought like, I think, one year or two years before him. If I owned A.com, it would, I would have a company that was like A slash hole.com. <laughs> <laughs> I would definitely do that. Uh, and on nice. that note, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, that was Talking Tesla 99. We're not sure what's going to happen with Talking Tesla 100. Tom is really very angry if about Mel it. If Mel does this it without me, there will not be a Talking Tesla 101. Whoa. Talking Tesla 99.5. He's going to go ballistic. I don't know why he's so upset. It's just when 100. Are we, so how are we going to do this? Because I am going I don't know. to St. Louis, then Nobody I'm going knows. to Maine, then I'm going to Massachusetts, Tom then I'm going wants, to New York. Tom and... wants to not do a show so that people of Talking Tesla Nation have nothing. Just because he has no, to go away to a solo. they get excitement. And as, okay, let's ask you, let's, let, let's go one step further. Yes. Have you, the executive producer, yes. and Cece, the producer of this yes. show, made all of these elaborate plans for our 100th episode? Or have you just been like, eh, we're just going to do a standard show for 100? Uh, no, next week is 99.5. <laughs> We've decided that. But I won't be here for two no, weeks. that's not the question, Mel. Oh, the so now we can't. 99.75. A hundred episodes, and we're not going to do anything special. We are. Today. We're there not going to have a, a show. He right? hasn't even ordered a cake. He hasn't um, even ordered a cake. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, it was uh, talking Tesla 99, the great controversy of 2017. Herbert out. <laughs> talking Tesla is a production of Fully Boo Incorporated. Hosted by Mel Herbert, Tom Wilson, and Robert Rosenberg. Edited by Eliza Jane Barnes. And produced by CC Herbert and Mel Herbert. To support Talking Tesla, go to patreon.com forward slash Talking Tesla. To find our referral codes, go to talkingtesla.net forward slash about. And finally, if you love the show, go write us a review on iTunes.